following is a presentation of the Outside Lens Radio Network. Recording live from Studio Chanteau, outside of Detroit, Michigan, you're listening to Scotty Freytown and Tyler Dean, The Outside Blitz! And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, The Outside Blitz. I'm your host, Ben. Down, along with my co-host, the monstrous cannonball, Alex Steele in the house. Boom goes the cannonball. We're here again. Guess who's yeah. back? Yeah. Uh, well, Tyler, is, is uh, he was supposed to join us, but we've got some some uh, child's birthday party stuff going on. And uh, he's uh, going to be, you know, happy birthday to, to Avery, by the way. Yep. Uh, happy birthday, young master Avery. Enjoy yourself today. Yeah, uh, big happy birthday to him uh, and Tyler out there doing his dad thing. Can't blame him for that. So he's got he's got business to tend to uh, with the Cheers. fans. But that's okay, Alex, because you and I are here, large and in charge, ready to uh, take care of some business over here yeah. on the Outside Blitz. We've got our uh, Week 13 is in the books. We've got uh, news around the league. A lot of injuries going on now. Mm-hmm. Now we're getting to the dog days. Uh, a lot of injuries. We've got uh, right now our uh, our top tens are looking good, but uh, we're getting to the down to the nitty gritty near the end of the year where we're talking about who our league MVP is for this this season. And there are two guys that are leading the charge; they're officially tied. And then we've got our three and four guys nipping at their heels. It's getting interesting in the outside blitz uh, uh, stuff. And then we also got our picks going on. We, you know, Alex, you closed the gap a little bit this week, so I'm a little I'm, bit. That, um, you know, and even Andrew closed the gap a little bit this week. So I, I it's making for an interesting time here on the show. There's uh, only five weeks left, kids. Now we are getting down to, I mean, the the dog days of the playoffs hitting December, January. Here we're getting ready to to. Uh, um, you know, really figure out uh, how that playoff bracket is gonna gonna get set up. It's making for an exciting time. It's making for good football. And one of my favorite weekends of the year is Wild Card Weekend. I love Wild Card Weekend. It's so mm. fucking fun. I love playoff football time because we do get full weekends of football, Saturday mm. and Sunday, and they go all day long. We get, you know, uh, on Wild Card Weekend, we get a, a one four and seven thirty game and then on sunday we get a four and eight thirty game and then on monday we get a game i mean and i really like the monday thing last year we did they had what the the three game or i think it was two years ago they had three games on saturday three games on sunday wild card weekend non-stop football and i loved every second that that's that's what it needs to be because you know monday you're just working yeah the monday night game is it's always rough you're working and you don't like no man, I want to enjoy every single second being home for for you know wild card weekend. If you're gonna make it wild card weekend, make it wild card weekend. Let's make it a true wild card weekend. Saturday, Sunday, six games in two days, and that way we can just focus in on everything. We can take it all in. Um, it's it just makes for a much better time. But we're getting down to the nitty gritty here, and I'm fired up. Teams are are making their sort of final cases to get in the playoffs. Teams are starting to fall off, get eliminated. We're starting to figure out our draft order. That's another mm-hmm. figuring out our draft order. And last show, I was going to talk a little bit about the draft order because there are some crazy things going on in the NFL as far as that goes. 
And there are certain teams that are falling a certain way where they could actually, your, especially your Detroit Lions, could wind up picking up their stud of the future. And and I, I'm blown away by how this is, has gone and how this is taking place. Um, it's it's a strange world we're living in at this moment for the end. Yep. It's it's definitely it's definitely uh, we're talking cause and suspicion here. We're giving exhibitions here, and we're just going to let it all hang out. Yep, that's it. And uh, but first and foremost, Alex, let's go ahead and jump into our week thirteen scores. Are you ready? Yeah, are done. All right, but now here are our scores for week thirteen in the NFL. Uh, starting out with the Bills and the Patriots Thursday night football, the Bills go and beat the Patriots twenty-four to ten. Uh, you know, this is kind of what we've grown to expect from them, right? I mean, yeah, yeah we're, we're we're back we're back in the realm that the Bills are who we thought they were. To right. quote Aaron Green or whatever his name is, uh, but yeah, I mean, Josh Allen was twenty-two to thirty-three, two hundred twenty-three yards and two touchdowns, and you know, Josh Allen doing Josh Allen things. Uh, you know, James Cook, ironically, was the leading rusher, 14 carries for 64 yards. Devin Singletary scoring the lone rushing touchdown. And yep. Stephon Diggs doing Stephon Diggs things. So, yeah, this Bills team is making its case that, yeah, we're still here. A little surprising that they're doing this two-headed monster deal. Devin Singletary's been pretty hot all year, believe it or not. I uh, we, we crapped on Singletary <clears throat> after last year's lackluster performance and then the slow start to this season. Yep. Now this year he started hitting his stride, and then suddenly James Cook emerges. Um, I think we're really going to be talking about after this year. I mean, if, if I'm the Buffalo Bills, I'm just going straight up James Cook here after this year. I I think James Cook, after even though he had a slow start himself, 14 carries for 64 yards, it, it kind of speaks for himself. I don't think he's as good of a runner as his brother, Dalvin, but I do think he's a damn good runner, and he's definitely a number one in this league. And obviously the Patriots' struggles continue with the Bills. Um, you know, they abandoned the, the run game in this game, and after going down early, or going, uh, uh, falling down early as 17-7 to at, at the half, basically, uh, Ramadre Stevenson doesn't get as many touches as he should be getting. I believe Ramadre Stevenson is sort of the kind of the heart and soul of this offense that they're just really not utilizing him in the way that they should be. 10 carries for 54 yards. He's still at a 5.4 average. You know, mm-hmm. you get that guy the football. He is a, a, a game-changing type of player. You should be getting Ramadre Stevenson the football, right? Yep, absolutely. Uh, and in fact... Uh, you know, it's evidence. I'm looking at the statue. I'm laughing because there's a number. There's a player number 25, whose name. Now we're using Google, so he could actually have a name. But he, his name slate is blank, and he scored the lone passing touchdown that the Patriots <laughs> scored. So it's like it's a touchdown and a field goal. So, you know, I, I think it's right. You know, the the run sets up play action. We always keep saying if you can run the ball, you have a chance to win the game. Yeah, and the Patriots just – I don't know. understand what it is with, with Bill Belichick and company. They just, they've just they always struggled getting a number one running back going. Damian Harris isn't there. Get Ramadre Stevenson the ball. You get that guy 20 carries a game, and he's going to get you 150 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, like, that's just how it's been. Every time they've gotten him the ball consistently, he's given them points. He needs to be getting the ball more on that Patriots offense. But the Bills pull this one out 24-10. to uh, Next up, we got the Packers and the Bears. You know, it's kind of funny. A lot of us when on our picks this week wound up picking the Bears so much for that. Justin Fields becomes busting Fields again. 20 for 25, 254, two picks. You know, 
I think Justin Fields is still a bust. A lot of people think he's just the real deal, and I don't buy it, and I'm not going to buy it. But, um, you know, he has his stat lines have been a little gaudy in certain aspects when rushing the football, but passing-wise, he's just not getting it done. He needs to improve that accuracy in a big way. And then on the other end, the Packers, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, 18 for 31, 182, kind of pedestrian numbers against a very, you know, uh, um, insignificant Bears defense, I'll say. They have not been good this year. Uh, they, they have not sufficiently done anything. And for Aaron Rodgers to only get 182 yards on the deal, kind of iffy. But the other story about the Packers that's kind of drawing my, my ire here is the fact that A.J. Dillon last week against the Eagles had himself a great game. A.J. Dillon this week has 18 carries for 93 yards and a touchdown. Is it A.J. Dillon time? Is Aaron Jones kind of on his way out? I mean, you just got done paying the guy for a huge contract. Well, you know, he only he only secured nine carries for 26 yards. So I'm like, eh, if you're only getting 26 carries out of 19 yards and A.J. Dillon's doing double the carries for almost four times as many yards, over four times, what are we doing here? And, you know, why'd you, why'd you pay the guy if he's not going to work? Right. You know? Aaron, Jones, Aaron Jones is a great change of pace guy. I just don't understand why he wouldn't get the work, especially with how hot he's been carrying the ball out of the backfield this year, how hot he's been as a change of pace guy. A.J. Dillon is the guy getting the, the workhorse uh, type of stuff going on here. All the handoffs, all the backfield work. It's kind of strange. And you, think, you think Matt LaFleur is starting to edge his way down towards the dumber coaches in the NFL? He's nowhere near as dumb as an Arthur Smith or a Frank Reich before he was let go. But, I mean, is is, Mark, is, is Matt LaFleur starting to go downwards a little bit? I think right now he is, but like the thing about Matt LaFleur, and I think he's a great offensive mind, the, the thing about Matt LaFleur is he's kind of, um, what this reminds me of, and I'm not going to compare him to him because he's just not, but one of, this is a, a Bill Belichick trait where mm-hmm. Belichick would get a, a running back that was so good. For example, last year we had Damian Harris, who played extremely well for the Patriots. Yep. And Damian Harris got hurt or whatever the case. And then the hot hand went to Ramadre Stevenson and Ramadre Stevenson suddenly was getting a lot more carries than Damian Harris, which I think personally, I think Harris is the better runner. I think Stevenson is just very unorthodox. But, you know, if, if you have Damian, Ramadre Stevenson out there, he's going to get your points right now. And Damian Harris, I think, is the better runner. But Damian Harris has been hurt all year long. So, I mean... I think that kind of plays a role. Right now, I think this is sort of a knee-jerk reaction, just riding the hot hand. We got to see that in New England quite a few times where, you know, you'd have, uh, uh, you know, a, a guy that was playing extremely well, and then out of nowhere, here comes James White getting all the carries. And then James White is kind of iffy, so, oh, no, here's Sonny Michelle getting all the carries. Oh, Sonny Michelle's kind of iffy. Oh, let's get, you know, and then he just kind of jumps from running back to running back, and I think we're kind of seeing... Uh, that same situation with the Packers right now. But in any case, the Packers pull this one out, 28-19. Uh, they get the W. They keep their playoff hopes alive, which is kind of interesting to say, uh, given their current record being, what, 5-7? and seven? Yeah, um, I believe that their uh, current record, as it stands right now, is 5-8, and eight, surprisingly. Five and, eight. and it's yeah. like, but they're still hanging on by yeah. a thread. Yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of teams getting eliminated coming up here. Uh, next up, Steelers beat the Falcons 19-16. Sort of a surprise. You know, I, I the Steelers right now, they're not playing great ball. We know that. Their playoff high hopes are narrowly alive, too, which is kind of strange to say. 
Uh, Kenny Pickett is starting to find his way, though. I mean, the accuracy isn't there. He's going to be working on that, obviously. I don't think the small hands have anything to do with that. But um, Najee Harris is starting to find his way, too, For you know, which is a little too little too late for your fantasy team there, Alex. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the Steelers, I mean, they're – they're doing enough right now to keep their playoff hopes alive and to keep the fans kind of hoping for the future. And and I don't know if Kenny Pickett's going to wind up being the guy. Um, but there, there's, for example, a guy that right now that hasn't been getting enough work this year is Deontay Johnson. And and how after how effective that he was with Ben Roethlisberger, for him to be just absolutely ineffective this year has been a problem. They, they haven't been getting him involved enough. They, and, and George Pickens, obviously, you know, he's been so hot or not. You know, one week he's getting... 10 catches for 100 yards, and this week he has one catch for two yards. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like, you know, one of these things is not like the other. You know, uh, Pat Fryermuth, you know, uh, you want to talk about consistency. I mean, he's kind of been <clears throat> hanging around that mid-tier. You know, this time he got three catches for 76 yards. Um, but, you know, I, I think the story here is, you know, Kenny Pickett, you know, like you said, he I don't think he is the guy yet. And the key word is yet. You know, this is his second season in the NFL. You know, so obviously it, third season. So it take first. Oh, this is so this is his rookie season. All right, but so you know, may, maybe you know, maybe he'll his his rose will start to bloom in the in years to come, or maybe he's just one of those kids that started too started too quickly out of necessity and just crashes and burns. Well, and that's that's the big thing about Kenny Pickett right now is is the. He kind of got thrown to the wolves a little bit early uh, because Mitch mm-hmm. Trubisky obviously wasn't getting it done. And Kenny Pickett, I think, is better than Mitch Trubisky. I don't buy True. Trubisky. Um, Facts. Tyler bought Trubisky. I don't. Um, and I still don't. But, uh, you know, it, at the end of the day, Kenny Pickett, he's got some improving to do. But, again, he was cast to the wolves. You give that kid a full off season where he's, he's you know, with the first team and, and they start really figuring out his strengths and whatnot. I mean – and he's getting better by the week. I, I do think that Kenny Pickett, I mean, like I said, the accuracy isn't there, but he is getting better and better and better week over week over week. I want to see what he can do with, with a, a full off season and being with this team consistently and, and doing what he's got to do. Here's another player that we're not, that we're not getting hearing much from, TJ Watt. You know, you, you know, he was injured for the first part of the year, and now he comes back, but he only has three tackles. Yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Mika Fitzpatrick has five tackles and, a, and an interception. Yeah, a little quiet on the the uh, um, on the uh, uh, sack front there for T.J. Watt. He's been dealing with injuries all year long. They they've really got to get him more involved and, and make that pass rush a little more effective. The Steelers are a team that at five and seven, yeah, obviously they're not going to make a, a Super Bowl run. Obviously they're not going to the playoffs. But I do think that they're they're starting to get onto something. And I think not you know now not now that Najee Harris is starting to kind of hit his stride again and get back to the form he was last year. We might be having a different conversation about the Steelers in the future, uh, especially with them, you know, having Najee and also, you know, they're going to have to to get these receivers on board. I don't think George Pickens is so hit or miss. I think he's kind of like another Tyler Lockett kind of guy. Right. I think Deontay Johnson, they need to figure out how to get him more involved from from a, a reception standpoint, because that's what he was. He was very much a Michael Thomas kind of guy. Catch the ball, get yards, you know, get the first down, move the sticks. Don't, you know, he's. He's very much a slants kind of guy, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, so, totally makes sense. Yep. So I, I think you all, gotta, all you Madden guys out there, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, you got to get, 
uh, Deontay Johnson in, in some more. And then obviously on the Falcon side, Marcus Mariota, he's been serviceable this year, but he hasn't been great. Uh, he's he's been doing this this uh, uh, you know serviceable game managing type of quarterback, but his accuracy hasn't been good. Um, he, he's just been narrowly getting it done. And and this week they finally got Drake London more involved, which needed yep. to happen. Uh, Drake London gets six receptions, ninety five yards. It, that was his highest uh, yardage total of the year, and we'll be mm. talking about him shortly. But Cordero Patterson, eleven carries for sixty yards. I hate the timeshare situation with Patterson and Algier right now. I think that's just nonsense. Right. Uh, you should be running Cordero Patterson more. Uh, Patterson is electric, and if you get him twenty plus carries, he's going to get you, you know, one hundred and twenty, one hundred and thirty yards and a couple touchdowns. That's another guy underutilized, just like Ramadre Stevenson, and then here we are, Cordero Patterson. Eh, you know, not well. Good. Well, well, who's at the top in Atlanta? Who's at the, yeah, it's Arthur Smith. Yep, and uh, what have we said about Arthur Smith almost every week on this show? He's a dummy. He has no he's idea. He's a dummy. Yep. He has no idea what he's doing as head coach. So, I mean, that's that's kind of where we're at. But in this case, the Steelers get it done 19-16. We'll be talking about Marcus Mariota shortly here. Uh, next up, Vikings go out and beat the Jets 27-22. Kind of an interesting game. Uh, Mike White comes out. He actually had himself a decent game albeit with two interceptions against a very tough Vikings defense, but 31 for 57, 369, kind of led his team back to a comeback. He had a rushing touchdown in this game. Um, the guy that everybody's talking about, though, and I got to, you know, Garrett Wilson. Mm-hmm. I like Garrett Wilson a lot. I think quarterback change did him a lot of good in this game, and and uh, Mike White likes targeting him, and that's the guy he should be targeting. That's why yep. Zach and isn't the starting quarterback because he didn't know how to target a guy like Garrett Wilson who does something like this, eight receptions for 162 yards. I think it's worth mm-hmm. talking about Garrett Wilson. Um, this is one of his better games, and, and he's been consistently on our top rookie rankings. like him a lot. And just real quick, an unsung hero, Corey Davis in this game for the Jets. Uh, mm-hmm. That guy was making some very clutch catches in this game late in this game that were torching the Vikings. He had five receptions for 85 yards. He was really getting it done there. Yeah, you want to know what what name really didn't light up this week? Sauce Gardner. And he only had one tackle and one assist. No sacks, no interceptions. And uh, I'd, I'd, I'd be curious to know who he was covering all game. But I'll tell you what, kind of a quiet day from all Sauce. Um yeah. He had himself a really quiet day. We're gonna, and he's in the rookie rankings, but uh, I think we're all going to be a little surprised by some of these rookie rankings and how certain things have shifted, with uh, particularly with Sauce and, and some of these guys. And and another thing that needs to be let. I mean, you know, I think I think it's been said that if you pass the ball more than fifty times, you're probably going to lose the game unless right. you ca- unless you make every single one of those catches. That's a lot of throwing, you know. And, and Zonovan Knight is the leading rusher, 15 carries, 90 yards. Why is James Robinson not getting the rock? That's the question of the day. I mean, Zonovan Knight is very good. James Robinson's kind of pissed right now. We talked about it last week. He said, he's, I'm not coming to the Jets not to play. And, and here he <laughs> is, comes to the Jets and he doesn't play. They're wasting that guy. People Absolutely. are wasting him. He's becoming the new Alfred Morris. They're just wasting him. This guy goes to free agency. For the love of God, I hope somebody signs him. Who yep. a big because he deserves every bit of it. To at least a Melvin Gordon-style deal, make him your starting runner. You could probably get him on a discount. I would start him in a heartbeat. He would be mm-hmm. my lead rusher. He's that good. 
Um, but I, I do like Zonovan Knight too. We, I knew he was going to be, uh, he's a rookie. He got picked up. He was a good pickup by, by them. I like Zonovan Knight, but, um, do I think he's better than James Robinson? Absolutely. No. Robinson's the better runner. But on the other side, the Vikings, they had themselves a very difficult day. Let's just, first of all, give the Jets kudos. Their defense is very, very good. Yep. The Vikings, they've gone four out of five, um, against some of the top defenses in the league in the, in the last few weeks. Uh, you know, they, they beat Buffalo, they beat the Jets, they went undefeated against the uh, AFC East this year now with, with these victories over the Patriots, and Patriots had a top defense, Jets had a top defense, Buffalo had a top defense, all in the top ten, they smoked every one of them. So that is, is a kind of a feel-good thing for the Vikings, even though their offense did not play well. Let's just mm-hmm. acknowledge that. The offense did not play well. But they still got it done, and then they got popped by the Cowboys for that that uh, forty point spanking that they received. Whoosh! That and that all- that is still probably the most surreal game I've ever seen. And I watched yep. that front to back. I was like, "What is this?" Yep. And the Vikings right now, um, Kirk Cousins has not been playing good ball. I mean, last mm-hmm. week he didn't play good ball, and twenty one for thirty five, one seventy three, and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dalvin had twenty carries for eighty six yards and a touchdown. That is, defi- actually, that is definitely, those are definitely not Kirk Sember numbers. No, but, and, and I'm kind of hoping deep down that the Vikings can continue winning these games. Obviously, 10-2 and two is, is a great situation to be in. But it, it, one thing I want to point out as far as Kirk Cousins goes is it, I'm really kind of hoping that he goes on this Joe Flacco circa 2012 run where right. he gets hot and goes into the playoffs and does what he does. As a Vikings fan, I would love to see that. Um, the third quarter for the Vikings has just been fucking horrible. Every yep. every week, it, it seems like they're goose egging in the third quarter. They come out flat out pro, of the pro, half. Pro, I think statistically, they are one of the worst teams in the NFL in the third quarter. I, actually, I think they are the worst, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so, I mean, they they, they got to figure it out. Um, yep. Coming out of that, they always start hot. I mean, and, and this is what it is early on in games. It kind of fizzle after the second half. They got to figure that out, but um, this has not been a, a typical Kirk Cousins situation. Like I said, they've been playing well, like hot defenses, but you know, for for Justin Jefferson, seven receptions, forty-five yards, and a touchdown, and then everyone else. The only one that got more than two receptions in this game after that was T.J. Hawkinson. So right. it's it makes it kind of interesting. Thielen had two, Osborne had two, and Osborne has been underwhelming too. K.J. Osborne has, um, and. You know, I also want to point out a, a few things uh, as far as Duke Shelley should not be a starting corner in this league. I, I, I'm happy that he, he's kind of come in at, at, you know, as a replacement player. But I, I just, come on. Like, for him to be your starting corner, you know, going into a football game, that just shouldn't happen. <laughs> he's an undrafted guy, if I'm not mistaken. I would right. um, And the, the Vikings... This is not one of their better games. I'm hoping they can turn it up against the Lions this week, but they've got to figure it out. Ten and two right now. I mean, and a lot of people are saying it's a phony ten and two. We're gonna right. We're, and then on, <laughs> the other, on on the other side with the the Jag or with the Lions here, who they're getting ready to take on, they go out and stomp the Jaguars out forty to fourteen. <laughs> Who would have thought that? I mean, I mean, part of us was was kind of expecting it because Jacksonville's still trying to find their way. But hey, so are the Lions. Uh, you know, uh, I'll I'll go ahead and have you take the lead with uh, with the stat lines here. I'll have my comments in a minute. 
Well, and, and when I'm talking about uh, uh, the Jaguars, I mean, Trevor Lawrence didn't play particularly well, but it wasn't bad. I'm not going to sit here and say <laughs> bad ball by Trevor Lawrence. 17 for 31, 179 in his touchdown. He didn't play horrible. Uh, I don't think they got Travis Etienne the ball enough. Uh, Christian Kirk, obviously, he's been having a really good year, surprisingly. Six receptions for 104 yards for him on the day. Um, but the Lions are interesting because Jared Goff, for as much as, and I, I'm gonna, I'm pulling out those lengthy CVS-style receipts here on both you and Ray Collins here. Oh, Jared Goff went 31 for 41 for two touchdowns, no picks. He played mistake-free football. He did extremely well in this game, and I understand it's the Jags. I understand the Jags mm-hmm. isn't anything to write home about, but Jared Goff, for the last, the Lions have won four out of the last five. And the four out of the last five that they won, they won decisively. And then they, that one loss against the Buffalo Bills on Thanksgiving, they were in lockstep with the Buffalo Bills yep. that entire game. And they were yep. leading the Bills. They were they were giving the Bills trouble. The Lions are red hot right now. And a lot of people are wondering why the Lions are, are favored against the Vikings going into this week. Four out of five games and then being lockstep with the Buffalo Bills going into that loss. It's uh, if you would have told me at this point in the season, you know, when we were one and six, that we that people would be talking about us like this, I'd have told you, I'd have told you, you've been crazy. But the fact of the matter is, it leads back to one man, MCDC Motor City Dan Campbell. You know, people gave him shit for a good portion of the season, and I did. I have to pull that receipt on you too. You have yep. calling for his head a few weeks ago. Yep, I was. I was like, you know what? I don't know what's going on. I mean, you, you're starting the season one and six. You're doing this crazy shit on HBO. It's like, what the fuck are we doing here? But, well, he showed us what the fuck we're doing here, and yeah. it's showing here. Yeah, he's um, he's turned this thing around. A big thing for the Lions, and, and I don't think it's um, necessarily the defensive play calling, but one thing I really enjoy about the Lions right now is the offense. I think yeah. the offense is great, and it's only getting stronger. This is my biggest fear come true. Being yeah. living here in this state, in the around that time, I'm I'm literally 15 miles outside of Detroit, yeah. and and for me to be that far, uh, just that close to Detroit, and seeing a situation where the Lions are becoming dangerous is all hell, and we're talking about dangerous with young players. Yep, and and they have good draft picks. I mean, and I've continuously said this on this show. Two first, two seconds, and a third going in this uh, this upcoming year's draft. And then I see something like this. The Lions are tearing it up, and that's the kicker. That's without Jamison Williams even coming in. And yeah. this, Jamison Williams is set to play against my Minnesota Vikings. That man, that man is so dangerous, Jamison Williams, and people are just not even thinking about it. I've been thinking about it all year. I've been crapping my pants about this guy all year because mm-hmm. if – that man, and I've said it on this show too, if that man stays healthy yep. in that national title game with Alabama and Georgia, we're having a different conversation about who the national champions are of the NCAA. We're having yep. a completely different college. The college football champions is the Alabama Crimson Tide because Georgia had zero answers for that guy. None. And and now here we are, Jameson Williams getting ready to come out. And I already see Amon Ross St. Brown over here putting up 11 receptions for two touchdowns, having a monster day. Oh, yeah. And I'm supposed to sit here and be like, oh, yeah, no big deal. It's just the Lions. No, 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 no. no. And everybody's been wondering why the Lions have been favored, and I know exactly why the Lions have been favored. And that's because they've been stomping teams out. They were lockstep with a Super Bowl favorite. 
and now they're getting ready to take on a shell defense with a stud like Jameson Williams coming back. The Lions, I, I, this is my nightmare right here because I told you and I've been telling Tyler and I've been telling you and we've all had the same sentiment. That offense is so dangerous and then they're going to go into this year and they're going to get their star quarterback of the future and they're going to go out and build that defense and free agency with all that cap space they have and all those draft picks they have. The defense is going to be terrifying. That Lions team is looking like a potential Super Bowl contender in the next two years, and I am terrified because if that team wins the Super Bowl before my Vikings, I'm never going to get out of it. Right, yeah, I, I know that's been well documented. You know, and I think one player that's kind of coming into his own, I mean, we've been talking about how Jamal Williams basically, you know, carried the rushing game, you know, while DeAndre Swift was healing his ankle. But DeAndre Swift goes 14 for 62 and a touchdown. Jamal Williams still getting his fair share of the work, 11 for 35 and a touchdown. You know, it's a great it's a great one two punch. And, you know, DJ Chark got healthy again. He got five catches for 98 yards. You know, DeAndre Swift is not a bad receiver himself. Four catches for 49. Josh Reynolds, three catches for 19. I mean, you know, it's not like it's, it's, these are, those aren't world-beating numbers. But, I mean, if you put it all together, you know, Jared Goff has turned me into a believer. You know, um, people have been naysaying his, naysaying his play. I will maintain that he's not the guy. But for now, he is. Yeah, but like go, going forward, you know, they're going to draft their quarterback in the future. But right now he's 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 made this bold claim that he's playing the best football he's played you know, in his career. And this is this is a former Super Bowl attending quarterback. You know, so that's so think about that. And then I don't know that it's the best football he's played in his career, but it's definitely the best football he's played as a lion. Right. And I do think Jared Goff is a good quarterback. I've stood in Jared Goff's corner. I know Tyler stood in Jared Goff's corner. Um, we stood strong for him because I really do know what Jared Goff is capable of. And the the crazy thing about about the Lions, um, they they're doing all of this. Like like I, I also want to point this out. They're doing all of this this four and five shit and and still in contention for the playoffs and lockstep with the Bills and all that shit. They're doing all of it without a star tight end. Yep, that's right. We gave we, we traded away TJ Hawkinson, and yet we're still doing all this. And Jamison Williams has yet to record any catches. So a few weeks back, they they sold the they looked like they were just uh, sellers at the deadline. Yep, and looking like they were getting ready to sell the farm. Imagine what happens not only if the Lions go out and fix their defense, but imagine what happens if the Lions go out and they pick up a a star tight end in the draft or a star tight end in free agency just get it just get him in the second round please <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you get him in the second round i mean and and the the most of the tight ends are going to go in the second round but you know what what sets off alarms to me about about the tight ends those kids from utah are getting yep. coming to that draft and those kids from utah are big and they can catch the ball and they're aggressive and watching the how they they beat the brakes off of my usc trojans with with those tight ends those big, nasty, brutal tight ends. That is a terrifying thing to me. So the Lions, though, they get it done 3-14, to 14, and we're going to talk about them in a little bit because the draft has major implications going on right now, right now for them. Yep. Uh, next up, Eagles beat the Titans 45-10. Uh, to 10. Uh, You know what? The Eagles, man, it's just Eagles doing Eagle things. Jer Jalen Hurts has himself another great game, and a lot of people have been talking about, oh, he just runs all over the place. Guess what? Jalen Hurts showed he can throw all over the place. 29 for 39, 383 touchdowns. He only ran the ball five times in this game. 12 yards. He did have a touchdown on the game. 
but he beat him with his arm, which was pretty interesting to see. And A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith showing up like a true one-two punch, showing how ta- how dangerous they can be. A.J. Brown is still looking like the best trade of the offseason, particularly what happened in the draft. But, you know, and given what happened to the Titans with the Traylon Burks situation, the Titans picked up Traylon Burks in that trade. He's busty, busty, busty here. And now he's hurt. He left this game with a concussion. I mean, crazy stuff going on here. A.J. Brown reminding everybody why he's the man, you know, and why he's one of the best. And it's kind of a statement game, too. I mean, like, he came from the Tennessee Titans. He's like, okay, you're going to trade me away for a bum like Traylon Burks? I'm going to show you guys. And he certainly did. Uh, Meanwhile, you know, Ryan Tannehill going 14-22, 141 yards and a touchdown. You know, definitely not world-beating stats by any stretch of the imagination. And the and the Derrick Henry train wasn't wasn't getting off the tracks very well either. Only eleven carries for thirty yards. Yep. Really? I think that goes to show you just how good this Eagles team is. They're dangerous as hell. Um, they're the favorites, obviously, for the for the Super Bowl to represent the NFC side. I don't I don't blame anybody for having them as the favorites or having them listed as the favorites. I, I mean, it's they're so good, uh, just on on in every facet. And and one thing that a guy that that's kind of it's sort of been unsung. Everybody's been talking about him and saying, "Oh, you know, they they they, they talk about uh, big play slay all the time." Everybody, oh, mm-hmm. big play slay, big play slay. I don't think anybody realizes just how good he's been for that defense. It took a couple of years, though. Mm-hmm. It really did. It took a couple of years, and and when it took a couple of years, he finally like like took on that that Robert Saleh system or not Robert Saleh, uh, Nick Sirianni system. And, and rolled with it. And he's finally figured out that defense in a really positive way. I also want to point out Derrick Henry not doing well. Mm-hmm. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Their star uh, defensive tackle goes down, the rookie, and they what did they do? Dominican Sue, Linval Joseph. Yep. Suddenly Derrick Henry can't run the football. I wonder well, yeah. And Dominican Sue and Linval Joseph are studs. They are monsters. Those are big, veteran, effective defensive tackles, and they're two of the best in the league. And I can't believe that people had the audacity, that these general managers had the audacity to leave that caliber of player just chilling on fucking waivers. Oh, my gosh. That's insanity. It's nuts. I I don't understand. And, and like, everybody wonders why. Oh, why, why couldn't Derrick Henry run the ball? Because it's Indomitian Sue and Linval Joseph. Those are yep. like two of the best tackles in the league. It just doesn't make sense. It's like running into a brick wall. Yeah. I mean, come on, dude. Craziness. So the Eagles go out and stomp the Titans 35-10. to 10. Eagles just continuing their reign of terror on everybody. Yep. Uh, next up, Browns go ahead and beat the Texans 27-14. Uh, you know, Nick Chubb kind of getting back on pace here. You know, he was the rushing leader for going through the middle of the season. And mm-hmm. since then, Nick Chubb has kind of sort of dropped off a little bit. Now Josh Jacobs is the, the rushing leader currently. But in the grand scheme of things, Damian Pierce, you know, kind of gets back in the, the rhythm here because Damian Pierce had two down weeks and now Nick Chubb getting back in the rhythm because he had a down week. So 17 carries, 80 yards for Nick Chubb. Texans, Damian Pierce, 18 carries, 73 yards. But the big story here. Mm-hmm. Big story is the debut of Deshaun Watson, and to say it was underwhelming is an understatement. 12 completions on 22 attempts, 131 yards, and a pick. Yep. I didn't know what this man was going to do. 
So in fantasy football, just as a, a let's see what happens situation, I put him on my bench. I said, let's, let's go ahead and pick him up, put him on the bench, see what happens. And here we are. I'm glad I didn't start him. Uh, it, it's a mess for Deshaun Watson. He hasn't played ball for, for uh, uh, almost two years. Days. But one thing I do want to point about Deshaun Watson in this current situation is that the Houston Texans, they have given up uh, a very little to opposing quarterbacks, and a lot of that has to do with Lovey Smith being the defensive guru that he is. We want to talk about a defensive guru. That's something we heard here in Detroit for a while, right, Alex? You remember that yep. term? Around. <laughs> yep, uh, the old Matt Patricia days. Yeah, yeah, but at the end of the day, there's a real defensive guru in Lovey Smith. We've seen that in the past. Um, and then also Kyle Smith getting the start for the Texans was just kind of silly to me. I mean, Davis Mills is Davis Mills. Kyle, Kyle Smith or Kyle Allen? Kyle Allen is not an improvement from Davis Mills. Like, let's just throw that out there. Uh, David Kyle Allen, 20 for 39, 201 yards, a touchdown, two picks. He did not play well. Um, and, and we'll be talking about the Kyle Allen, uh, Davis Mills situation here shortly. But the Browns get it done, 27-14. And uh, even though they're, they're on the kind of on the outside and they're getting ready to kind of they're, – they're facing mathematical elimination here right now, the Browns' playoff hopes are still alive here. Well, here's the deal, too. I mean, Cleveland's got Cincinnati this week, so it's kind of a bad. It's it's not really fair to Deshaun Watson to to, to uh, judge his return against a dumpster fire team like the Texans. Put him up against Joe Cool and the Cincinnati Bengals and see if uh, if that return, uh, which by the way, it's not looking good. No. I'm just saying right now. He, I think I think he's staring down the barrel. I think he's staring down two barrels of a Mossberg, and uh, it's. You know, there, there's just it's just bad news all around. Yeah, I agree. I think this is going to get ugly for him, quick, fast, and in a hurry. But we'll we'll see how it turns out for uh, for old Deshaun Watson. He's going to need an off season to actually get back to practicing. He really had to practice. That's nope. the thing. Like people don't really realize is that he wasn't cleared to come back to practice from his suspension until week 13. Mm-hmm. Well, so he had a week to sit on the bench, and then he comes right back in, and and a week later. He's going to need a full offseason to get himself back in football shape, get himself back in football gear here, and get him feeling out the games again. He is not the same man that he was 700 days ago. Nope. So we're going to have to, to see what happens with him. Uh, next up, a rare tie between the Commanders and the Giants, 20-20. to uh, You know, the game was fun. It was a fun game to watch because even though it was a tie, it was a fun game to watch. You know, the Giants wound up taking the lead. The Commanders tie it up. I just, I know Tyler hates this guy. I know mm-hmm. he hates him. But I just, I got to say, and it's not just because he's a former Viking. I love Taylor Heineke. I love <laughs> him. I don't understand what it is. His stat lines are not good. He has not been playing well. But in this particular game, he played extremely well. And, and then on top of it, Brian Robinson, 21 carries for 96 yards. Taylor Heineke... I don't know what it is about the man. I just don't. But the Washington Commanders have gone from a shit show to 7-5-1 and one and in the playoff picture. They're in the playoffs right now. They're on the graphic. Yeah. What in the hell is going on? And it, it's Taylor Heineke. He's that good. People do not give the man enough credit. I love Taylor Heineke. And the fact that people are just like, I know this, this like, like Who Tyler hates it? the man. Tyler, it, it just really... It just gets in his craw that, that you know, <laughs> Taylor Heineke. And but we all agreed last week, and I think it's it goes without saying, 
teams play for Taylor Heineke. There's something about him. There's a there's a magic about him. It's it's like Santa Claus. <laughs> well, people, it is the season. Yeah, people want to celebrate Taylor Heineke. There's an energy about the guy. Well, I'll I, tell you I, what. Uh, Terry McLaurin went eight receptions for 105 yards and a touchdown. Jahan Dotson with five catches and 54 yards and a touchdown himself. Oh yeah. And you know Curtis Samuel right there in the middle, six for 63. Let's so look. you know you're right. So you know the proof is in the pudding there. You know, I, think, you got, I think this team, this team, realistically, those three top receivers that you just mentioned here, between the three of them, I love all three. I think they're all worth the money that they paid. I think mm-hmm. uh, it's great that they're using them as a three-deep situation. Nobody runs more spread offense than the Washington Commanders. A fun fact there. But mm-hmm. Jahan Dotson right now is a rookie, and, and he was picked up in the first round out of Penn State there. Five receptions, 54 yards, he gets a touchdown. He has been quietly good. I like Jahan Dotson. Um, do I think he's like world-beating? Is he Is he Chris Olave? Is he Garrett Wilson? No. But he's been placed in a number three receiver situation. If, if he winds up as a number two, we're having a different conversation. You know, and, and I think I think he winds up having a, a great uh, uh, situation for himself if he winds up in a, as a number two. So... Jahan Dotson, for him to be a number three and to be putting up the numbers he is, I like him a lot. I think he's something special. Taylor Heineke is is targeting him a lot, and he was even getting targeted a lot when Carson Wentz was was the quarterback over there, the starter. And we're going to wind up having a conversation about Carson Wentz a little bit in the future. Mm-hmm. Here. One thing I think the Washington Commanders are missing is a tight end. I like Logan Thomas, but the man is so injury prone that I feel like they don't want to use him a lot, and and because they run so much spread. He's not getting as much as many targets as he probably should be. I like Logan Thomas, but the man can't stay healthy, and he's shown that in the past. So, I mean, you know, the, the commanders have a, a situation there, but those three receivers, I, Jahan Dotson always stands out to me, and even early on in the season, he was putting up good numbers too. Yeah, and if you take a look at the Giants on the other side, you know, D. Jones goes 25-31, 200 yards and a touchdown. And he's also he's also the lead rusher, twelve yards for twelve carries for seventy one yards. Saquon goes eighteen and sixty three for a touchdown. So you know, uh, I, I think you know, <laughs> I don't know. If, I, I I still think we're on the boat there that the, the New York Giants are fools gold. Um, I think the, just because of the fact that the Wash was it Washington that forced the tie. I think they came from behind and forced the tie. Because, yeah, I mean, so there you go. I mean, another argument to throw on the wood pile of the whole fool's gold deal. I mean, it, and yet they're still half a game ahead of the Washington Commanders. And they still have a snowball's chance in hell of getting in the playoffs. Well, and, and one thing I'll say about the there are a couple things about the Giants. First of all, in this game, Daniel Jones, weirdly accurate, 25 mm-hmm. to 30. Yep. So, I mean, like, you don't generally see that from Daniel Jones. So for him to be 25 for 31, I'm like, okay, kudos to you, my friend. But, um, you know, for him to actually run the ball the way he did, we know what Daniel Jones is capable of when running the football as a quarterback. So 12 carries for 71, it's not surprising, but it's also very good on his end, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, that's a, a really good stat. It's, 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 a lo- it's a long way. It's a far cry from the days when he was running unopposed down the field and tripping halfway to, right. halfway right before he gets pay dirt. But but that's Jalen Hurts' numbers. You know, the 12 yeah. 71 yards, that's Jalen Hurts' stuff. So, I mean, like, kudos to him for that. Um, and, and obviously, I, I, I feel like they need to get Darius Slayton involved more. In this specific game, he had six mm-hmm. receptions for 90 yards, which, great, that's awesome. 
Um, but that's your that's your guy. That's your fucking guy. Like, like you should be throwing the ball more to Darius Slayton. But the Giants, you know, everybody got excited about them early on in the year. Do I think that they're necessarily fool's gold? I don't know yet. The problem for this I, game. I know, yeah, I, I mean, we've kind of been like off and on on it. I mean, one week they were, next this week they're not. But then again, this, this is a division rivalry. And, you know, things are always different in a division rivalry. People, uh, so, so the Jets... People need to realize the Commanders are a top ten defense. Yeah, I mean, you know, so the, so we got five games left with on the Giants' schedule. They got the Commanders again the week after after this week. They got the Eagles obviously this week, and then the Commanders again on the eighteenth. So you know, who knows what we're going to see from these guys? You yeah, know, I, I think it's too early to call. It is too early to call. I I think it's it's. Uh... I want to see if the Giants can can get in there. Do I think that the J- Daniel Jones is going to guide them to the Super Bowl? No, but no. I, I think that the, the the Giants and the Commanders both hit, both honestly have a shot. We could very well see. To be frank, we could actually see the entire NFC East get into the playoffs this year, which would be insane to me. You yeah. could see the Eagles with the one seed, and then you could see four, five, or five, six, and seven wind up being Cowboys, Commanders, Giants, and. That might be the deal. I mean, and the Cowboys. I don't think the Cowboys are going to catch up with the Eagles, but nobody wants to run the Cowboys into the in the playoffs. That's a nope. thing. But uh, right now, that could be the deal. Like based on the records, and it's it's weird. It is yep. weird. Very weird. Yep. But that's the the deal there. The tie, and and we we all took a rare tie there on our our predictions as well for that mm. one. Yep. Next up, Ravens and Broncos. The Ravens eke one out against the Broncos, 10-9. to The Broncos' defense has weirdly good. Look, Russ Wilson, he did not put up a great stat line, but I do want to point out, to his credit, I have to give him credit for this, 17 for 22. That's a really accurate fucking stat line here, completion-wise. Just got to hand it to the guy on that. One thing that I will point out there, though, is that their running game, ever since they got rid of Melvin Gordon, is trash. He's yep. Latavius Murray is the undoubted number one there. I Mike Boone had six. How, how do you only get yards. how do you only how do you only get forty seven yards from seventeen carries though? You, you know what I mean? Coverage. That's that's how <laughs> that's how you you know I, I just Latavius Murray I've said this in the past and I've said this on this show if you look at Latavius Murray's stat line when he was with the Raiders way back when, and we're, this is many years ago, this is before he signed on with Minnesota and whatever the case, Latavius Murray was putting up numbers that he broke a thousand, and everybody got excited about him breaking a thousand. But if you looked at his sheer number of attempts, his number of attempts didn't line up with the fact that he had a good average. You know, so he, I mean, he was averaging like 32 attempts a game, some ridiculous number. Like, shit, I'd hope you'd get 120 yards breaking, you know, uh, uh, you know, 32 carries a game. My right. God. And and when I mentioned this to Tyler, like, nobody realized it. And I mentioned it to Tyler, and he was like, oh, shit. Like, it's like, yeah. nobody realized it. Latavius, he, I'm not going to sit here and say he's a bad back, but he's the kind of running back where if you're going to be running the football a lot and you have a heavy run game, you're like basically running the football just to keep the opposing offense off the field. That's that's why you have a guy like Latavius Murray, and if he like he can fit the mold somewhere. It's not that he's a bad back for the situation, but like 
you do that for low scoring games. You have that guy for low scoring games. That's why you have him there. Is is oh well, the Buffalo Bills defense. We are you know we we can run Latavius thirty two times and keep that Buffalo Bills offense off the field, and that was the problem for the Bills you know against Minnesota and whatnot. Dalvin Cook ran the ball was effective enough. You need Latavius to be effective enough to keep that Buffalo Bills offense off the field. So that's what Latavius is there for. Lots of attempts, burn the clock, keep the opposing offense off the field. Um, and every now and then he'll break one. But but at the end of the day, uh, Latavius just not getting it done. And I just want to point out the Ravens, They obviously Lamar left this game with a leg injury. Um and and it's a it's a sprain. Uh, we'll we'll go over that shortly. But he leaves the game. Tyler Huntley comes in. Tyler Huntley doesn't play well. 22, 27 for thirty two, accurate, but again, shitty yardage. Huntley, I'm surprised by though. This is a surprise because Tyler Huntley did play well last year in relief of Lamar when Lamar got hurt, right? Mm. So yeah, yeah. surprised that he didn't play well. What do you make of this Ravens team? Do you think that they have still have an opportunity? I mean, they're eight and four right now. Do they have the opportunity to really make the playoffs with Tyler Huntley at the helm, or is this going to require Lamar to get his ass back on the field? I would say you want to get Lamar back on the field, and and the simple reason is this: you know, Lamar is a better runner than Tyler Huntley, even though uh, Tyler Huntley went for ten yard, you know, ten carries and forty one yards and a touchdown. Right. You know, that's definitely not Lamar numbers. So if I'm a Ravens fan, like Tyler is, I would want to hope that Lamar gets healthy, especially if you end up getting the AFC North, because that's a ticket that that's a golden ticket to the playoffs. But even if you do that, you know I gotta, uh, you know, and, and I gotta, you know, and it's uh, I, I would definitely get Lamar on the field. Yeah, for sure, and and that's kind of my thing is is Lamar is is your best chance to win. Obviously, Let, let's let's be real. But uh, Tyler Huntley, I, I'm I'm surprised that that he didn't play well. Lamar, he does that. Like I said, he's he's got a strain going on. You're you're really gonna have to hope that that he can get healthy quick, fast, and in a hurry. I know he's got a week or two. I think they said because you know this the sprain is kind of serious. But I mean, Lamar Jackson is the heart and soul of that offense. I mean, and he's not gonna be back this week. He's doubtful. Uh, he's listed as doubtful due to that knee injury. Um, he missed the entire week of practice, so you're, you're not going to see Lamar, and, and that is some some huge news for Ravens fans out there. It's going to make for an interesting season, and this is this couldn't have happened at a, a, a less opportune time for the Ravens because the Ravens right now are in basically hand fighting with the Cincinnati Bengals for the division. So, I mean, do I think that that the Ravens have an opportunity? To, to um, really kind of lose the division, yeah, it's their division to lose right now. And the Bengals are, are just nipping at their heels. The Bengals are tied with them right now, 8-4. I think the Ravens might hold the tiebreaker. But Bengals are, are, I mean, they just wound up beating the Chiefs, and we'll talk about that in a second. But Ravens getting this one done against the Broncos, 10-9. But, man, it's not looking, it's looking a little bleak for the old Ravens moving into the future. Uh, next up, we got the 49ers and the Dolphins, 33-17. Niners dominated the Dolphins in this game. Uh, in a weird situation, you know, uh, so Jimmy G goes down in this game, injured his ankle, broken foot. They say he could come back uh, later on in the season. 
Trey Lance is obviously hurt, so that leaves Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, coming into the game. 25 for 37, 210 yards, two touchdowns. He did throw a pick in the game. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had himself an okay game. I don't understand this, like, this this uh, timeshare situation between Christian McCaffrey and Jordan Mason or Christian McCaffrey and, and Elijah Mitchell. I just think it's kind of silly. I understand you don't want to overdo Christian McCaffrey because you don't want to get him hurt. He does. He is injury prone. Christian McCaffrey didn't play well in this game. 17 carries, 66 yards. He had a 3.9 average. It wasn't anything to write about, write home about, but he did have the eight receptions for 80 yards. I am going to contest right now that I think Christian McCaffrey is really the highest end uh, change of pace back in the entire NFL. But, I mean, at the end of the day, um, he didn't have himself a bad game, but it, from a rushing perspective, it was a bad game. But if you add his total yardage together and, and his total from scrimmage, Eh, a little questionable. The Dolphins, on the other hand, really had a tough time. Uh, I just, and, and I get it, it's the 49ers defense, and the 49ers defense is really good. But Tua Tungavailoa goes 18 for 33, 295, two touchdowns, he throws two picks. And in this game, Jalen Waddle got hurt, he hurt his leg, and, and for whatever reason, Jalen Waddle was not, you know, like, I understand there's an injury there, but if you're able to come back onto the field, it wasn't like he was like, limping around like an asshole. He was still running his routes and things, so they weren't targeting Jalen Waddle, and I don't understand why they weren't. They went heavy to try Tyreek Hill, nine receptions, 146, and a touchdown. Uh, you know, Tua didn't play bad, but... <clears throat> excuse me. Wow, I had a sneeze there. Um, Tua didn't play bad, but it wasn't great, and he was playing against a 49ers defense that, you know, is obviously top-notch. Tyreek Hill gets all the love here, though. Nine receptions, 46 and a touchdown. So, the Dolphins. Alex, I got to ask you. The Dolphins, I mean, does this set off alarms to you that they got kind of slapped around a little bit by the 49ers? Or do you think this was kind of what we expect with the 49ers defense being what it is? I understand Brock Purdy came out on the field and, and Mr. Irrelevant turns into Mr. Relevant. You know, well, he's there. Go figure. What else is new? But, uh... I think that the, a lot of the problem for the Dolphins is that, A, they abandoned the run game. Raheem Mostert, wow. Wilson, they had a combined 33 yards, eight carries. But also the fact that Jalen Waddle was hurt here. I think that, that really... Yeah, I, that, that's, put, that's, that's, poking a, that's poking a hole in the tire right there. And, yeah, and let me be the first to say that having Brock Purdy, you know, having a stat line that he had... Uh, you know, makes your eyes go, it makes your eyes turn into dinner plates. I'm like, what? But, you know, I think it does come down to the defense. It does come down to the Nick Boses of the world and the Dre Greenlaws of the world who had seven tackles. Jimmy Ward had a sack. Fred Warner had a sack. Demandre Lenore had a sack. So, you know, it was sack lunch over in San Francisco. And uh, point out, I will point out about the, uh, the Miami Dolphins. Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy had, you know, he was 25 for 37, 210, two touchdowns. In a, it wasn't a bad stat line for the guy who was supposed to be Mr. Irrelevant, and he's a rookie and whatever the case. But one thing I want to say about the Dolphins' defense is they're not good. Right. They've not been good. And and I think that the, the Dolphins are kind of in the same area as the Detroit Football Lions where their defense is not good, but their, their offense is red hot. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we've seen that in the past. I mean, Dolphins are 8-4. and four. They're not really, you know... They're not having a bad time here this year, you know. I mean, so, I but their defense is bad. I, I'm. It's another team where I'm fearful that if okay, let's say if I get a, a good defense on the field, I think the Dolphins are a scary team too. The problem is, is they sold the farm in a lot of ways 
Um, from a, a uh, draft standpoint, they kind of mm-hmm. farm for for a good offense. Yeah, and that, and that's the difference between the Dolphins and the Lions is because you know they you, like you said the Dolphins sold the farm while the Lions are in prime position to build on their defense. Right. The, the Dolphins, yeah, not so much. Yeah, the Dolphins uh, have to go into free agency and build their defense, whereas the Lions have the opportunity to draft and free agency and they have all that that cap space to do it dolphins are a little tight on cap space given the circumstances right yep. and then on top of it the, but the, the only good news for the dolphins and i will say this and and it's kind of how the culture has changed in the nfl you've got a rookie quarterback or a quarterback a, two, a second year quarterback on a rookie deal and and that is the best prime real estate to win a Super Bowl in the NFL currently as it, as it stands with the cap being the way it is. And we'll be talking about the salary cap a little shortly here, but that is prime real estate to win a Super Bowl. So, I mean, right. like... If, if Pat, you, Patrick Mahomes is uh, is clear and, and present evidence of that. Right. So, I mean, it, it makes it kind of interesting, but the Dolphins go ahead and drop one to the, the Niners here, 33-17. Uh, Niners improve their playoff chances that's another team by the way that you don't want to run into in the playoffs and we keep talking about the cowboys let's not forget about them niners uh next up the seahawks beat the rams 27 and 23 the rams their their downward spiral continues john wolford 14 for 26 178 two picks in the game uh obviously matt stafford not there he's been hurt all year long look first and foremost geno smith let's let's just say he had a great game he had a great mm-hmm. game 28 for 39, 367, three touchdowns. He did throw a pick. If he doesn't throw that interception, we may very well be talking about Geno Smith as, uh, um, you know. A member of the top 10. Yeah, I mean, he's in the top 10. But uh, that's a spoiler there. He is in the top 10. We'll talk about him in a bit. We may be talking about him competing for number one there. Mm-hmm. But uh, Geno Smith has himself a great game against a questionable Rams team. Mind you, this is a Rams team without Aaron Donald on the field, uh, and and look the, without the, Cooper Cup on the field, and without Matthew Stafford on the field. Yeah, there's there's a lot of missing pieces. One thing I will mention here, as far as the Seahawks go, is they have a lot of question marks as far as their backfield goes. DJ Dallas suffers an injury in this game. Kenneth Walker sustains an injury in this game. Uh, you know. Travis Homer was already hurt. Now he's healthy, which is good news for them because, you know, we, we don't know who's going to be the starter this week for them. Tony Jones was on the field. DJ Dallas stayed on the field, even though he was hurt. I mean, it was just bad news bears. Mm-hmm. Thankfully for the Seahawks, they have Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and Noah Fant, <laughs> all three of which scored touchdowns in this game. So, I mean, the Seahawks got away with this. Um, it was a lot tighter than it should have been. It came down to the wire. Seahawks get it done, 27-23. The Rams are a dumpster fire, and yep. their situation, their current 3-9 and nine situation, is what is causing all this ruckus with the draft that I keep alluding to and, and mm-hmm. your Detroit Lions. So we're going to be talking about them shortly, but the Seahawks pull this one out, 27-23. Interesting situation there. Next up, though, Raiders beat the Chargers 27-20. One day the Chargers are just going to figure out how to beat these guys. Because the Raiders have been giving the Chargers fits since last year. You know, it, it was a another huge game for Josh Jacobs. He had 26 carries, 144 and a touchdown. He's currently leading the league in rushing. And Derek Carr looked questionable at best. 16 for 30, 250, two touchdowns. He had a pick. His accuracy isn't there. 
thank God for Devontae Adams for his eight receptions for 177, two touchdowns. On this team with the Raiders, it looks like Devontae Adams on in receiving and anybody and everybody else, right? Yep, pretty much. I mean, the rest the rest of the field is like five for thirty-five, one for thirty-two, two for six, Josh Jacobs. And Amir Abdullah had zero. Uh, so apparently he must have been targeted and he just dropped the ball. Right. So yeah, it's Devontae Adams and everybody else. You know, if he doesn't play well, the whole team doesn't play well. You yeah. know, if you look at the inverse, you know, Justin Herbert, you know, had a, a I would I would say a substandard game. 28 to 47, 335 yards and a touchdown. Great. I, you know, the accuracy isn't what it what it is in previous games, but he tossed the ball 47 times. Yeah. And and Keenan Allen was his top Keenan Allen's his top target. Yeah, I, if you throw the ball as much as you do, you know, it's like you said, you throw the ball over 50 times, chances are you're losing the game. But right. 28 for 47 for, for 335, only get one touchdown for that in the red zone. Yeah. That's a problem. Yep, yeah. for yeah. sure. I mean, it, it's those are garbage time yards, especially in the fourth quarter. Right. No no rushing touchdowns. Austin Eckler was pedestrian in this game. They only gave him 10 carries. I mean, they were. I know they were They were down, um, you know, going after the third quarter they were down. But, man, I would have been rushing Austin Eckler a lot more and, and kind of playing ball control football. The Chargers, I, I just really think that Justin Herbert's situation right now is, is a product of a really bad coach. I don't think their coach is good over there. I think they do need a new coach with the Chargers. He just doesn't fit what they have. You know, I think Austin Eckler is a great rusher that they're not utilizing enough, a little undersized, but they're not utilizing him enough. 10 carries for 35 yards, give me a break. So, I mean, and he also had five receptions for 67 yards. I get that. And I get that Justin Herbert is your, your bell cow. But if, if you're going to utilize Justin Herbert correctly, you need to have the weapons around him and you need to be, you know, calling plays that are helpful to him. Uh, you're not running the ball enough. And the Raiders have been gouged so badly in the run this year. It, it's just silly to not run the ball. And then on the Raiders side, you know, obviously Josh Jacobs playing great ball. Uh, and Derek Carr is suddenly become questionable. And all those, all that talk about Derek Carr uh, uh, being a quarterback that, that is kind of mid-tier up near the Kirk Cousins of the world and whatnot doesn't seem that way anymore. Yeah, well, like, I I, th- I think the downward trend really started when he had that emotional press conference, and ever since then, every week on the show, he's been like, "Meh." Yeah, he hasn't been good. So Derek Carr winds up um, playing bad ball. The Raiders get the win, but man, they and, and they won. I think it was three straight. But I I don't know. I have questions about the Raiders right they, now. They might be they might be fools gold here too. Yeah, yeah, there's there's going to be questions about them. Uh, next up, we got the Bengals and the Chiefs. Joe Burrow remains undefeated against the Kansas City Chiefs, 27-24. Look, uh, Joe Burrow, he played great ball, 25 for 31, 286, two touchdowns. I mean, he might be the kryptonite that against the Chiefs. And mind you, this is a, a Bengals team without Joe Mixon on the field. Samaje P. Ryan was the number one running back. And for the record, he's a higher-end backup. Let me just throw that out there. He's one of the high-end backups in this league that we always talk about. Certain high-end guys that are backups. Samaj P. Ryan is one of those guys. 21 carries, 106 yards. He had a five average on the day. He had himself a great game. Jamar Chase, seven receptions, 97. Tyler Boyd, four receptions, 60 yards. I mean, like, it, it was well, a really good game for the Bengals. Yeah, you know what I think it is, uh, is the defense you know it was certainly the it was certainly the case in the AFC championship game last year with that with that game icing pick uh, no picks were thrown here but Von Bell you know had five tackles you know Sam Hubbard had himself a sack 
you know, Joseph Asai had a sack. So, you know, I think the Bengals defense, you know, really stepped up. And I think that on top of Joe Burrow, that's the kryptonite to Patty Mahomes. Yeah, and let's also point out Patrick Mahomes, and it's like you said, the defense, 16 for 27 for 223 and, a t- and, a, and one touchdown for Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Uh, he, you know, he gets the score, but that was probably that's probably some of the most pedestrian numbers I've seen for Patrick Mahomes all year, 16 yeah. for 27 for 223. They have his number over there. Yep. There's something going on there where they have his number, but the Bengals come back from the dead because they started so slow to start the year. Yep. They're 8-4. and four. I mean, they're right up there, and they're they're hand fighting with the Ravens for the division. This this could get interesting, but the Bengals pull one out, twenty seven twenty four against the Chiefs. Very excited. I like the AFC playoff picture. It's going to be fun. Um, next up, Cowboys. I mean, beat breaks off the Colts. You know, the game looked pretty normal uh, early on, and then the fourth quarter happened, and I know that that you completely jizzed your pants watching that Cowboys <laughs> defense do what they did. You want to know what the funny thing was? I didn't even watch the game. You know, I, I was like just keeping it appraised in the fantasy chat. But looking back on it, while well, I'm looking at these stats, you know, obviously, you know, the, the name of the, the, the order of the day was the Dallas Cowboys defense. Yeah. And they just decided, you know what, we're just going to pick, we're just going to take this truck and just drive it. You know, Darren Bland had two interceptions. Malik Hooker had an interception. Oz Oza Agud, uh, can't pronounce his name, I apologize, had a sack. Donovan Wilson had a sack. You know, I'm, 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 a, little, I'm a little surprised that, you know, Micah Parsons' name isn't showing up anywhere here. Uh, I mean, and, and but... Let's, tr- not, let's not forget the uh, the old scooping score that the, the Cowboys right. had as well. There was a fumble that was recovered, brought back for a touchdown. I mean, like, it was it was insanity. Yeah, I mean the the Cowboys defense was was incredible in this game, and and they played such such great football. But then look at but the do you, but do you really think that this could just be a product of Jeff Saturday's incompetence as a head coach? Because it might be, it might be but I also think part of it is Matt Ryan. You know, Matt Ryan yeah. three interceptions on the day. He didn't throw the ball particularly well, mm-hmm. um, and I also think that that this is an issue with the general manager over there in. in Indianapolis you you have uh, uh, one receiver over there that's worth a shit let's let's be real you have Michael Pittman and that's about it and then after that it's like meh okay Michael Pittman and then it's kind of everybody else and And then you you have one of the best running backs in the NFL at least last year he was the leading rusher Jonathan Taylor you know he carries the ball 21 yards he only gets he carries the ball 21 times he only gets 82 yards no scores what the fuck are we doing here understand it's a Dallas Cowboys defense that's played extremely yeah. well. Jonathan Taylor has been underwhelming this year. A lot of that had to do with the fact that Frank Reich was over there and had no idea what the fuck he was doing. Clearly. Absolutely not. But Jonathan Taylor's a good running back. I do think that, that Jeff Saturday has a better idea of what to do with Jonathan Taylor, but this is mm-hmm. the same time that we've seen the Dallas Cowboys blow out a team. Um, and, and the first time was the Minnesota Vikings 40-3. I, I just think that, that uh you know, the Cowboys are dangerous right now. They're red hot. That defense is red hot. I do yeah. think there's there's something to what they're doing on both sides of the ball. And and really, on the defensive side of the ball, a guy that has to be given credit is Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn, believe it or not, who was sat there in Atlanta with shitty defenses for years, suddenly goes to the Dallas Cowboys and has one of the best defenses in the league. What the hell are we talking about? So, <laughs> yes. 
the Cowboys get the W here, 54 to 19. And then last but not least, probably one of the most boring Monday night games in history. Yeah. Uh, the Buccaneers, 17 to 16 over the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the Saints- well, well, Tom, well, Tom Brady, you'll lit it up when he needed to. Let's let's give him, let's give credit where credit is due. Yeah, he threw the ball 54 times in this game. 36 yep. for 281, two touchdowns, did throw a pick. You know, again, the, the Bucks abandoned the running game. Leonard Fournette, yep. 10 carries for 49 yards. He had a 4.9 average, which isn't bad, but they should have just continued the running game. I don't understand why they didn't. Um, Godwin, 63 yards. Evans, 59 yards. Rashad White had six receptions for 41 yards. I think Rashad White is a better change of pace back than he is a starting back. I think Leonard mm-hmm. Fournette needs to be your, your first and second down back, your early down back. He needs to be your workhorse guy. But, uh, you know, the Bucks are, are kind of – you know they're holding on. It's, it's yeah. They're six and six now. They're holding on for dear life. Um, it's crazy to see that the Bucks are holding on for dear life. But not only that, they're they're leading their division right now. I feel like every <laughs> team in that division is just a dumpster fire, right? Oh yeah, it, it 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 every every year you know, and it seems to only be in the NFC. There's that one division that where like every single team in it is garbage, right. and it's the NFC South this year. A couple years ago it was the NFC East. But the NFC South is the garbage division, and uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are at the front of the garbage division. And that's one thing I can actually call Green Bay Packers for, is that the Packers, you know, like, even though, like, we've had situations where our division, the NFC North, has been garbage all year round, and, like, the Bears are bad, and the Vikings are bad, and the the Lions are bad, the Green Bay Packers have made four straight NFC title games. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how, how? Yeah, how? so I'm like, well, you can't say the NFC North is trash because the, the Packers are the ones that are sitting in the NFC title game every year. So, I mean, like, to to their credit, I'm not a Packers fan under any circumstances, but I have to give credit where credit's due. They have been in the NFC title game uh, every year for a while. So, I mean, yeah, now we're, we're hitting a different stride. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. The NFC South has been hot garbage all year long, and uh, this year is going to be – a wild one. I think the Buccaneers are set to take that division, but whew, man, it's that, getting... that's going to be a bad four seed. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be ugly. But those are our scores for Week 13 in the NFL. Uh, now, Alex, we have uh, a few things to jump into here. Um, yep. Before I, I want to do these before we we jump into break. Um, let's go ahead and and talk about our top ten performances of the week. I want to point out that there were some. Really, like we always talk about, like players and everybody else. This is one of those perform- times where there were big performances and then everybody else. Does that make sense? Like, makes were, sense to me. They were tough to get this week for the big performances. Um, not a ton of them, but I did find the ones that were humongous. And uh, so for our top 10 this week, number 10, we'll start out right now. Tyler Lockett, nine receptions, 128 yards and a touchdown. He was the leading receiver for the Seattle Seahawks this week. Um, had himself a great game. Uh, he was rock solid. Uh, this is one of those few games where Tyler Lockett blows up for a week and then, you know, quiets <laughs> down the next, you know. So I'm expecting two quiet weeks out of Lockett coming up here. <laughs> but he does have a weird rapport with Geno Smith. I will say that. He does have a, a rapport with Geno Smith where he's getting more receptions, more targets, more yards. So mm-hmm. to Tyler Lockett's credit, you know, he's he's getting a, a positive situation for himself, right? Yep, I believe so. You know, it's kind of weird, too. I mean, Geno Smith is the guy, you know, seems to be the guy this year. He's definitely not the guy going forward, 
But, I mean, you know, with his stat line this week and, you know, the fact that he and DK Metcalf shared a, a, a bulk of the workload at, at receiver, you know, it's kind of it, – it, it's weird. You know, it's it, – I don't think this team's going to make it very well, very far in the playoffs. They get knocked out in the first round. But, you know, Geno Smith is definitely not the bust we thought he was. You know, because we remember he had that one good game when Russell Wilson got a hand jam and then, you know, everybody was, you know, praising his name and then he shit the bed. Well, he's not shitting the bed anymore this year. I mean, it's out of necessity, though, because yeah. Russell Wilson skipped town and took a big money contract in Denver and decided to take a shit. But, you know, that's a whole other story. I think the thing that gets me about this whole situation when it comes to Geno Smith is. We like Tyler and I have bitched on this show like we, consistently. We have bitched about like the Seahawks always have this way of making and keeping themselves relevant in the playoff picture. And and whether or not they're like legitimately a bad team, like last year, it was the first time in a long time we saw the Seahawks be a bad team. Mm-hmm. And then this year we expected them to be a bad team again. And then we're like, this is not a bad team. And and I don't like they, they always did this thing where like after they won the Super Bowl, and, and then they went to the Super Bowl again, even though they were trending down, they still wound up in the wild card round or the divisional round. And we're like, why? Are I, I, I believe it was one of the first times where a team had a losing record, but still won their division. Right. <clears throat> and we're like, why are the Seahawks still here? And we like, like we, we found like guys like Chris Carson blowing up. And obviously since then he's retired, but like, there, there were just these weird occasions where the Seahawks stayed relevant, and I don't get why. I don't know why, but they always stayed relevant, and Tyler Lockett's a big reason for that. Mm-hmm. And and this is no different. Like, right now, they're, they're, they're relevant. I don't know why they're relevant. It seems silly that they're relevant, but they're relevant. For some reason. Yeah, so uh, moving on to number nine uh, on your list here is Tony Pollard. He yep. had 10 car- 12 carries, 91 yards, and two touchdowns with a 7.6-yard average. You know, he definitely is, you know, the old, the pro- probably the best backup in the NFL. He could, uh, it could, and the argument could be made that he could be a starter in a, at a lower-tier team. To me, he should be the starter for the Dallas Cowboys. Tony okay. Pollard is something really special. Um, that's, you know, that's, that's saying something. Yeah. I think he should be the starter. I think, you know, he's, he is outdone Zeke Elliott in every single way this year. And Tony Pollard's still on a rookie deal. When that man hits free agency, somebody needs to pick him up. He's going to get paid big money. And yep, that's, for that's, sure. that's the interesting thing. Every time I've seen him start, he's blown my, just blown my socks off. Like I, I just can't understand why, why the Cowboys right now, I understand you paid Zeke the big money and they're going to start Zeke Elliott, but they're going to have to pay. If they want Tony Pollard to remain on the team, they're going to pay him big money. Mm-hmm. And and really, Tony Pollard's probably one of the best. Uh, I, I think he's he's going to be he's an undervalued starter. I would pick him up, and and that's a guy I, I keep referring to, Melvin Gordon money. Right, he's that kind of guy that's going to wind up getting like a big you know, money contract to be a starting running back. Yeah, a two year, ten million dollar deal, and they're going to be like, okay, prove it for for sixteen, seventeen games, and he's going to have to prove it, and and. You know, it's unfortunate that he's going to have to prove it because I think he's proven it in Dallas, but teams are going to say, oh, you're going to have to prove it. I don't think no. he's going to wind up getting $15 million a year or anything like that, mm. but he's going to wind up getting like a two-year deal for 5 or $7 million a year. And he's, and, he, gonna- and he's a great, he's going to be a great asset. Yep. And, and that's kind of where he's headed. But Tony Pollard being number nine on this list with a 7.6 average, he deserves to be there. Uh, number eight goes to Tyreek Hill. Nine receptions, 146 yards. He has a touchdown. This man is still on pace 
to break the receiving yardage record brought up forth by your boy, Calvin Johnson. Tyreek Hill's having himself a hell of a year. I think he's a great fit in Miami. Yep. He's shown he's a great fit in Miami. You look at the combination of him and Jalen Waddell, it's something to behold. Uh, Tyreek Hill, I mean, I, I think he can play anywhere, right? I mean, is that kind of where we're at? At this point, it seems the evidence seems to point to it. Now, I think the the caveat is that the quarterback has to know where to throw the ball and has to know like who the who the top guy is, or you know you have to have rapport, you know, because you can't just stick Tyreek Hill in Atlanta because because Arthur Smith wouldn't know what the fuck to do with him, <laughs> but you know. But you know, so he can play anywhere. Granted, if the coaching staff knows what to do with him and the quarterback knows what to do with him, and in this case they do, you know, he's got himself a really good situation here in in uh, in Miami. He already has a ring, so what else do he has to prove except getting another ring with another team? And you know, it, it's kind of concerning that Jalen Waddles on the shelf. Uh, you know, having that one-two punch is has really been effective for uh, Miami. So. You know, going into the next the last five weeks of the season, you know it's it's going to be interesting to see if the Dolphins make the playoffs. If Jalen Waddle comes back, we could probably see him get as far as the AFC title game. Yeah, I, and the good news is that Jalen Waddle right now isn't carrying an injury designation going into this week, so that's that's a positive thing uh, for the Miami Dolphins, and it's a positive thing for uh, um, Old Tyree Kill. You know, Jalen Waddle does stave off a lot of the the coverage that comes Tyree Kill's way. But even with Jalen Waddle being out, nine receptions, 146 yards, and a touchdown, definitely nothing to sneeze at here. He's used to doing that. He did that in Kansas City, so that's a plus. Uh, number seven, Jared Goff, 31 for 41, 340 yards, two touchdowns. We talked about him earlier. Uh, this is some of the best football he's played. And I'm going to kind of add number six in here as well because they go hand in hand. Number six goes <laughs> Ross St. Brown, 11 receptions, 114 yards, and two touchdowns. The Detroit Lions, that's like like their combo right there. And you're going to add mm. James Williams to the mix. Oh, look I'm out. I, I would argue that, you know, uh, Jared Goff should be above Amon Ross St. Brown because without Jared Goff, you don't have that stat line from Amon Ross St. Brown. But you're absolutely right. St. Brown has been an absolute stud for the Lions. You know, he – he was a stud in Madden, you know, when we played. I mean, it's it's kind of a horrible comparison when you're looking for real world, but you're seeing it. You're seeing the culture that Dan Campbell has created. You're seeing the the results that Amon Ross putting in since his injury. And you're seeing Jared Goff, the guy at the helm, you know, throwing the ball and doing the work. You know, and so between the camaraderie that Lions have and the, and the personnel that they have on offense, you know, they get they build that defense up. They're a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And and really, Amon Ross St. Brown, I mean, I'm so proud of the fact that, like, on one end, I hate that he's doing well for the Lions. Right. And on the other hand, I'm so fucking proud that he's doing as well as he is because we're talking about a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown. Tyler and I both sat there going, that kid's going to go in the fourth or fifth round and he's going to be a stud. And we were 110% right. <laughs> we knew he was coming. So Amon Ross St. Brown winds up as, as five. Obviously, we talked about golf earlier. I'm sorry, I'm in Ross St. Brown winds up at six, rather. Number five goes to A.J. Brown, eight receptions, 119 yards, two touchdowns on the day for old A.J. He's been a great acquisition for the Eagles. We talked about him earlier, the fact that they made that trade and got away with it and then this stomped out his old team. Uh, that's got to feel <laughs> yep. really good for him, right? Yeah, it's got to feel good for him, and it's got to feel bad for the Tennessee Titans. The GM's probably sitting there going, am I on the hot seat? Uh, spoiler alert, you probably are. 
Well, spoiler alert, he was on the hot seat because uh, guess what? He got fired after this game, after seven oh. seasons as the general manager. And we'll talk about him shortly. Oh, but, uh, yeah, A.J. Brown, eight receptions, 119 in this game and two TDs. Next up, Josh Jacobs. We talked mm -hmm. about him in the league in rushing, 26 carries, 144 in a touchdown. Uh, Jacobs, you know, weirdly good. How bad do you think the Raiders are kicking themselves for not picking up his fifth-year option? Yeah, he's definitely flipping him to double bird again this week. You know, we keep talking about it. You know, I talked about it last week. I talked about it this week. We're probably going to talk about it for the rest of the year. Yeah. But the deal but the deal is Josh Jacobs is definitely worth picking up the fifth-year option. And if he walks, there's going to be teams. It's a piranha pool. You know, they're going to be falling over each other trying to get this guy. Yeah, my thing about it is, is I would have picked up his fifth-year option anyway and and see what you have in him. If he blows up like this, you know, okay, great, he blew up. At least when you pick up a rookie's fifth-year option that is a high-end player, you can go out and say, all right, I'm going to assign you to your extension. This is what teams don't realize a lot of times. You can take that high-end running back or that high-end player that you have on a fifth-year option you can sign him to an extension, but then you can take that signing bonus and plug it into that fifth-year option where he's going to be cheaper. That way, you can have the cap space in your future years. It, this was just a bad business move by an inexperienced GM. That's the way I look at it. The fact that Josh Jacobs didn't get signed to a fifth-year option is silly to me. Uh, it was silly to Tyler and I both in the offseason. We talked about it. We were like, what in the hell are these guys doing? And here we are, Josh Jacobs. 26 carries, 144, and a touchdown, currently leading the league in rushing. So we'll see how that moves going forward. But, yeah, he's killing it. Mm -hmm. uh, number three goes to his teammate, though. Devontae Adams, eight receptions, <laughs> seventy-seven, two touchdowns. You know, even though the Raiders aren't winning, it does make you warm and fuzzy on the inside that Devontae Adams, as you and I are NFC North guys, uh, it does make us feel good that Devontae Adams is doing well with the Raiders and not doing well with the Packers. Right? Yep, absolutely. You know, and <clears throat> the two of us being both anti-Packers, anytime the Packers take a wound, we're happy about it. Yeah. And uh, and, I, and I think Devontae Adams is honestly having a better time in Las Vegas now. I mean, we made jokes about, oh, if you're going to go to Vegas, you got to commit a crime. But yeah. <laughs> but um, despite that, though, I think Devontae's really thrived in the system. Now, granted, you know, they haven't been very successful all year. Uh, you know, and Derek Carr is not uh, the salute, the ultimate solution there. Uh, but, you know, this stat line here, you know, uh, proves, you know, the fact that, you know, he's he's definitely the caliber player that uh, that uh, Aaron, you know, Aaron Rodgers is probably like writing love letters and finding them thrown in the trash. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Devontae Adams, I think he thrives with Derek Carr. Like, I think mm -hmm. him and Derek Carr are just, like, a really good combination, and they play together in college. So, you know, obviously they know each other, and they know each other's tendencies, and it's working out really well. Devontae Adams needs a number two. They need a little bit better of a defense over there. I mean, they, they need some stuff, and Devontae can't do it all himself. And Josh Jacobs, it's like Devontae, Josh Jacobs are doing it all, and then Derek Carr is not getting the job done as a quarterback. It's turning into a questionable situation there. But uh, Devontae, I mean – He's not the problem there with the Raiders right now, I, I would say. And the Raiders, they're going to need to go into the draft and find themselves a quarterback. That's something that's going to be on the docket for them. Yep. So their, their quarterback in the future is going to be something that happens. 
Uh, number two goes to Geno Smith. We talked about him. If he didn't throw the pick, we might be talking about him as a number one guy. 28 yep. for 39, 367, three touchdowns. He had an interception on the day. Geno Smith having himself a surprisingly good year. We know that. We've talked about it. I, I like him a lot. This was a good stat line here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, it, 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 it's, it goes to show that you really can't judge a book by its cover. Sometimes you can, this time you can't. Right. And, you know, it's very strange, but the, and, and obviously Geno Smith is not the guy in Seattle, you know. So it, when Seattle head comes up in line, they're probably going to grab a quarterback out of uh, out of the draft or get a good one in free agency. But you know, for for the for the time being, you know, and for the fact that they're in the position that they're in, you know, the Seattle Seahawks are sitting pretty at seven and five. You know, they're 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 right behind San Francisco for the division, and even if they don't get the division. You know they're still sitting fairly pretty to get uh, you know that last wild card spot. So you know it's strange. You know <laughs> we keep saying it. You know it's it regardless of the fact that Seattle is not like you know oh this world be they're still going to be in the playoffs. You know it, it, it's a it's a good uh, indicator. This is a testament to how good Pete Carroll is as a coach. Yep. I really think that's what it is. Yeah, um, he's keeping. <laughs> He, he, we, we, we joke about the fact that he's senile and he's old, but you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, the man won a Super Bowl. He knows what he's doing and he's been, he's known what he's doing for a while. He knew what he was doing at USC and now he knows what he's doing with Seattle. Uh, kudos to we, him. We kind of wish he knew what he was doing when the, he didn't, when he w- want, decided not to hand it off to Washington at the one yard line, but you know, you know, small potatoes. Right, Exactly. And then number one goes to a guy who's who's actually just like he's listed as number yep. three and, and and talking about our top four. And I'll talk about them in a second. Our top four guys leading the MVP charge. Number one goes to Jalen Hurts. Yep. Uh, 29 for 39, 380 yards. He had three touchdowns. Uh, he also had five carries for 12 yards. He scored a touchdown with his legs. If he doesn't score the touchdown with his legs, we're not talking about him in this conversation. But man, what a game for Jalen Hurts. Um, the kid's I, a stud. Yeah. Accurate. I mean, he's making Tyler and I eat our words. We thought he yep. wasn't going to be the guy over there. But uh, Jalen Hurts is listed as number three on our list right now as far as the top ten goes. Uh, guys, The top four guys leading the MVP charge, just so everybody knows, we've got Justin Jefferson and Patrick Mahomes leading the MVP charge. They are tied currently as it stands. Uh, followed up with Jalen Hurts is is number three. So, I mean, it, I think that that – kind of shows you you know what what exactly we're dealing with here and then josh allen is also tied at number three as well so we've got a two-way tie for one and then a two-way tie for for uh number three right now so kind of a cool situation going on here uh as far as the the and then tyree kill is number five so. yep, ab- yep absolutely so yeah this kid really you know he's a prime reason you know not the reason but the a prime reason why the eagles have the record that they have you know uh, obviously you know they have they have that stalwart defense obviously they have other components like aj brown and and Devontae smith but really the guy leading the charge is in fact jalen hurts and the fact that he is, he truly is like a Lamar Jackson, a mobile quarterback that can get plays done with his legs when needed, but he can also throw the ball. You know, when you have that kind of a dual threat quarterback, which is kind of the way the league seems to be leaning right now, where, who can I get? Who can I get? That's like a Russell Wilson. Who can I get? That's like a Jalen hurts. Who can I get? That's like, you know, some, some of these guys that could just run and get out of pressure. You know, Patrick Mahomes is a mobile quarterback, you know? The game is changing. 
And, you know, Jalen Hurts is just an, another piece of evidence to support that theory. Yeah, I, and we're going to see uh, uh, where exactly this is going to go as far as the NFL draft goes because the draft becomes much more interesting given the circumstances of what you just said. So we're going to wind up talking about that shortly. Um, we'll talk about that after the break, actually. Uh, jumping into our forgetful five, which, <laughs> where we crap on people. Number There weren't a lot of teams and players that we could crap on, but I did find some. And I'm going to throw it out there. Number five goes to Ryan Tannehill. Uh, 14 for 22, 141. He did throw a touchdown in this game. He played technically mistake-free football, but 141 yards? I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. Espe- well, especially the fact that, you know, you're 14 for 22. If you only throw the ball 22 times, plus he kind of, I mean, this is this might sound weird, but, you know, the fact that Derrick Henry couldn't get your running game going, eh, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's not the worst performance, but at the same time, it's like you're expected to do better than that. And Ryan Tannehill is getting paid big money, just like any other yep. big yep. quarterback out there. And so like, we, like, like you know, the, the, all these other one touchdown performances on the top ten, you know, they're not quarterbacks. You know, Jared right. Goff had two touchdowns. Right. You know, I'm, you know, you know, Geno Smith had three touchdowns. Jalen Hurts had four touchdowns total. So you know, compared to the rest of the league, eh. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill's getting paid big money for that. Uh, number four, though, goes to Russell Wilson. Uh-huh. Uh, 17 for 22. Accurate, but 189 yards, no touchdowns. He was just kind of there. <laughs> Hashtag less, let Russ cook. You know, we always laugh about that. And we got some more spam and SpaghettiOs today. It's SpaghettiOs with hot dogs in it. I mean, that's, <laughs> yes. that's, that's, yes. that's cooking going on right now. It's it's a fucking mess. It's a SpaghettiOs jello mold. And I'm supposed to sit here and think that that Russ Wilson is supposed to be the answer over there in Denver, and he's clearly not. He is not the same man since he got hurt last year. Yeah. How many times have we crapped on him on this show with this big money contract and this whole deal? And it's like, yeah, it's just a mess out in Denver. Russ Wilson right now is jousting for the LVP on this show, which is pretty fucking bad. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Next up, we got Justin Boston Fields going 20 for 25, accurate, 254. He had good yardage, but then two tu- two interceptions on the day. Couldn't get the job done. He had a horrible day. Um, he winds up as number three on the list. I mean, look, we and, not- and, and and you lost big to a division rival. I mean, that kind of uh, that kind of solid solidifies that for you too. A division rival also with a bad defense and two yes. Just- Credit. I will say this: He did run the run the ball effectively. He did get in the end zone, but the passing numbers were not there for him. Mm-hmm. It was just not a good day through the air for him, and and that's kind of you gotta if you're gonna wind up being a mobile quarterback. There's a situation like Jalen Hurts where you can prove that you're throwing the football, and then there's a situation like this where you've proven that you can't effectively throw the football, and that's where Justin Fields is at right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, Matt Ryan. 21 for 37, 233 yards. He had two touchdowns, three interceptions. Him and number one go going hand in hand here. Number one goes to the Colts defense. Yeah, uh, 54 points given up, including 33 in the fourth quarter. Absolutely brutal. Yeah, and and look, it, there was a, an absolute breakdown by the Colts. It was embarrassing. Uh, I felt embarrassed for them, and I'm not even a Colts fan. I just felt embarrassed. I- <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, well, well, it was definitely something to see. I mean, to to their credit, you know, the Dallas Cowboys defense is one of the most stalwart defenses 
in the league. But still, to give up 33 points in the fourth quarter as an NFL team, what are we doing here? It was a mess. It looked like a high school team. It was awful. Yeah, just a a mess. Um, So those are our forgetful five performances of the week. Now, Alex, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to come into our rookie rankings. We're going to talk a little bit about the news around the league. And we're going to go into our predictions for the upcoming week. So um, we will get a word from our sponsors here. And then we'll be right back right here on the Outside Blitz. At It's Your Time Massage, you get all the benefits of one of the larger massage chain parlors, but in a more intimate and personal setting. With four years' experience, massage therapist and owner Amanda Yata's goal is to help people in a natural way, offering Swedish deep tissue, pregnancy, aromatherapy, and sports massages. You will feel better and have more energy in just one hour. It's Your Time Massage is offered in-home, Amanda's or yours. With the rates ranging from $55 to $130, you get professional quality at an affordable rate. Contact Amanda today at 313-686-4347 or online at iytmassage.com. It's Your Time Massage, a natural way to improve your well-being. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? Are you ready? Get ready, And welcome back to the Outside Blitz. I'm your co-host for the evening, the Cannonball, Alex Steele. Hooray! Hooray! <laughs> I, I give you a hooray. I always give Tyler the booze because it's it's Tyler. Right. But um, I'm your uh, your wonderful co-host, uh, your uh, uh, production manager here, the fabulous ones. <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm I'm sitting here. We have a special guest on board with us today, uh, and and just joining us at the break here. Uh, you know her, you love her, and uh, she is your niece, my daughter, yeah. uh, little Miss uh, Peyton. Uh, Peyton, my my baby daughter. She this is her first time, like actually, like joining me on the show. Which is kind of <laughs> it's interesting, but she's joining me on the show, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to to get her, you know, moving on the football and landscape here, right? Yeah, I mean, once you probably learn a couple things, like, oh, I didn't know what a nickel defense was. <laughs> <laughs> Very Brett Favre. She, she figured she figured she figured it out quicker than Brett Favre. <laughs> right, but uh, Alex, we do have some business to tend to, and mm-hmm. and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into it when we're uh, sitting here. The rookie rankings. We the rookie rankings. We go over those every week. They fluctuate every single week. We know that. Um, so the rookie rankings got a little wacky this week, and and I'm surprised by how wacky they got. But you know, there's not. I feel like sometimes, like I will move players a lot more than Tyler will, given certain circumstances. But in this current situation. When we're talking about like the rookie rankings, and and I don't think there's any other way you can do it without this way week went. First of all, we'll talk about the outside look at it. Let's just mm-hmm. talk first. Number five still is Aiden Hutchinson. He's been sitting at number five since last week. Number four goes to ja- Jaquan Brisker, the safety out of Chicago. Um, he's you know been sitting at number four. Number three goes to Kayvon Thibodeau, the defensive end out of the uh, New York Giants. Number two, Christian Watson, even though he did have another good week, 
Number one goes to a guy that nobody's been talking about, and he's been having a really good year is Braxton Jones, the offensive tackle out of Chicago. He has, and you know, early on in the year, he wasn't having a great year, but he has gradually been moving up the outside looking in. We could see him in our top 10 rookie rankings. Perhaps. Uh, him and Christian Watson, for that matter. I think both of them are having good years, um, and and both those guys are kind of climbing the ranks. Kayvon Thibodeau's having himself a good year, but it's not, you know, anything um Here, here's a question for you uh does christian watson get in because of aaron jones or because of jordan love oh you mean because of aaron Rodgers? well i mean no i'm, I'm saying like like if, if does it be is it because of aaron jones uh, aaron Rodgers, or does jordan love pick up the slack and then and, and christian love and christian watson gets into the top 10 as a result it really depends because a lot of the people are talking about the fact that that aaron Rodgers may not be the starter of this team you know for the next couple <laughs> of weeks but then at the same time you hear a situation like like their head coach Matt Lafleur over there saying, "Oh, well, we want Aaron Rodgers back for 2023." So, who knows? Mm. If, if uh, I don't think they're going to sit Aaron Rodgers, I don't think that's coming. I think they're going to stick it out with Aaron Rodgers, which I think is a bad move. I don't think he's playing mm. good. But he, uh, he's at he's at the twilight of his career. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, coming off of that MVP season and now playing the way he has, I mean. Eh, we could be having a different. I mean, he, he's no Tom Brady. We'll give him that. No, no, not under any circumstances. But um, Christian Watson, you could see him make his way into the top ten. But moving into our top ten, our rookie mm-hmm. ranks, number ten comes as a surprise for me. Mm-hmm. But um, given the circumstances of like the other players that are in the top ten and the things that they've accomplished, you know. I'm not entirely surprised by it once you realize mm-hmm. what the other guys have done. Number 10 goes to Jack Jones, who has mm-hmm. been as high as the top three on this list. Yeah. And and now he's a 72.9 PFF grade. So his PFF grade has dropped significantly. Mm-hmm. 70 coverage grade. This past week, he gave up two targets for 33 yards versus Buffalo. He had his lowest defensive grade of the season in this game. Oof. Uh, I, I would I, w- I would attribute that to uh, him them playing the Buffalo Bills the best exactly. still arguably the best offense in football. I mean, granted, I think number one offense uh, belongs to uh, uh, you know Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, but you know uh, Buffalo still kind of has uh, you know one of the top offenses in the league. So I really don't think that that's a totally Jack Jones's fault. I think he just ran into the whole. Uh, Buffalo Bills uh, defense, but it's still kind of surprising to see him this low on the rookie rankings. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm surprised that he dropped as low as he did, but man, he's had two really rough weeks in a row, um, and this one is no different. And and Buffalo, it's obviously the Buffalo Bills, so I, I'm kind of thinking he's going to rebound this week, but man, it, that's a, a really tough thing to do. Um, you know, dropping down, you know, he, like I said, he was in the top three before he, in most times he's been in the mid area of that top 10. He dropped down significantly here because of these, this bad situation that he's found himself in. Um, but number nine goes to another guy, Tariq Woolen, um, corner out of Seattle. He's been in this area before Tariq Woolen was climbing this last week. 
Uh, he winds up with a 72 PFF grade, 73.7 coverage grade. He had a 51.8 run defense grade. He had a really strong game versus the Rams with a slightly improved grades this week. He had a bad game last week. Yes, honey, I hear you. You're just trying to talk. She, you know, I, I think she's just trying to chime in too, but I mean, I get it. You know, when, when you have like, you know, yeah, he had a strong games against the Rams, but here's the deal. He's playing the same. He's playing the Los Angeles Rams right. you know, who, who are, you know, quickly proving out to be, you know, the 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 worst turnover from Super Bowl to dumpster fire, you know, in NFL history. So one thing, you know, one thing I will say about Wallen is is his grades have been. Uh, he's got a seventy two PFF grade overall, but his grade game, his, like last week, he had such a bad grade, and then mm-hmm. this week he turned it around and kind of put the brakes on that. Whereas Jack Jones has had two straight weeks of really rough. Uh, uh, weeks. And that's something that like Tariq Wollin has basically been the number one in Seattle as a rookie. Mm-hmm. So, yep. I mean, it's, it's something to behold there. I'm, I'm pretty impressed with Tariq Wollin. I, I really like him a lot. Um, in spite of the grades being different and in spite of Jack Jones technically grading out higher over the last two weeks, it's been a rough go for, for all, uh, you know, Tariq or for all Jack Jones and Tariq Wollin is getting it done here. So got to give him credit. He's got that 72 PFF grade, um, and and as a rookie, for him to be doing that. And also, I want to point out that Jack Jones didn't play the entire season. Jack Jones yep. not played the entire year, uh, you know, this year. So, I mean, he we, we gave him a lot of notoriety early on, or, or kind of, well, I guess kind of early, week four or so. But Jack Jones wasn't the starting corner for the Patriots earlier this year as well. Tariq Wollin's been playing all season. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's why I, I I have Tariq Wollin a little higher than Jack Jones in this situation. Right. Number eight goes to a guy that, uh, along with the Seattle Seahawks, but he has fallen quite a bit in the last couple of weeks, is Kenneth Walker. Uh, Kenneth Walker the third, running back out of Seattle, 72.8 PFF grade. He's got a 79.7 rushing grade, but he's this is the third bad game in a row that he's had. Uh, he had an ankle injury that sidelined him for the rest of the game. Alex, what do we talk about when it comes to availability, right? I mean, availability right? and reliability. And let me tell you something: if you're going to be sitting on the sidelines because of the little ankle injury, you know, you're you're going to probably he's probably going to tumble out of the top ten uh, coming in the next week, unless you know he can you know he can get that ankle healed up and he can you know turn it around uh, in his game against the. If I could just pull this up real quick. Uh, the Carolina Panthers this week. Right. You know, if he if he can turn it up against Carolina this week, which you know, let's face it. I mean, despite the fact that they have they've had success with uh, you know, Dante Foreman and and you know, getting rid getting rid of their head coach, they're still a dumpster fire. So Seattle has definitely has an opportunity uh, for a bounce back week uh, against uh, the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, he does. It it just depends on his health and and yep. that ankle injury was if he's was- healthy. It sidelined him the rest of the game, um, you know. So it, it is something to to point out. I think Kenneth Walker is a a good running back, obviously, but he has lacked some explosiveness over the course of the last three weeks that that we saw early on. Um, it's a little surprising, to be honest. It, it, I I thought Kenneth Walker was going to be giving me a lot more all year long, and and really the last three weeks just have not been good. They really mm-hmm. haven't been good for old Kenny Walker. So I I want to see what he does. We'll find out. If he if he winds up playing, great. If he doesn't wind up playing, we might be talking about Braxton Jones being in the top ten and Kenny Walker falling out. You yeah, know, who knows? Availability. 
Uh, so that's that's what it is. But number eight goes to Kenneth Walker. Number seven goes to a guy that Tyler really isn't big on, and I am, uh, Martin Emerson. Uh, 71.1 PFF grade overall, 74.4 coverage grade, 72.4 pass rush grade. He did struggle in run defense versus Damian Pierce, but his coverage grade went up this week. So that's a good thing. His PFF grade overall went down, but him struggling in, in the pass, the pass rush and whatnot. And, and, uh, uh, well, uh, well, considering the fact also that he's playing the dumpster fire Houston Texans. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's gotta take a, that's gotta take a major hit. Don't you think? Yeah, he fell a little bit, but here's the thing about, about Martin Emerson is, is we have been talking about it week over week over week. He's been better than Denzel Ward this year and Denzel Mm -hmm. Ward stud Mm -hmm. and Martin Emerson is, is playing better than Denzel Ward. But not only that, I want to point out that, that Martin Emerson, you know, he struggled in run defense versus Damian Pierce, Uh, but his coverage grade went up. What is the primary function of a corner? To stop the pass. Yeah. So, I mean, like he's doing his job. That's Mm -hmm. thing number one. And number two, um, Martin Emerson, I I just, I think he's, because he's like, like this is technically, I mean, because of the defense, it's technically a down week for him. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to it being a down week for him, he's still, his coverage grade went up, you know? So I, I have questions about whether or not, you know, he should be toppling down this list the way Kenny Walker has when Martin Emerson has had consecutively good, consecutive good weeks after good week after good week. Um, I, I think he belongs at number seven here in spite of the fact that his PFF grade dictates that he should be lower than Kenny Walker, given the consistency of Martin Emerson and the fact that it's struggling against run defense. That's why he's going to be at number seven to me. But Absolutely. in that case. Um, number six goes to Drake London. Uh, he climbs from number 10 to number six this week. 77.8 PFF grade, 79.2 point, uh, receiving grade. He saw a ridiculous target share. Uh, I mean, 12 targets on 22 routes run. He wound up with his highest receiving yardage total of the year. He's the ninth highest graded player of the week uh, for all rookies. You know, let me just point out, first of all, when it comes to Drake London, I don't think Arthur Smith knows what the fuck he's doing with him. But Mm -hmm. what I'm seeing from Drake London is he seems like he's a more effective uh, receptions guy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of where he's headed. He's headed in that Deontay Johnson type of role where he's going to catch a lot of passes. And that's where he's going to get his nut. That's where he's going to get his yardage. They need a big Mm -hmm. player. I don't know that Drake London is it, but I see Drake London as a guy that is a receptions receiver as opposed to a deep ball receiver. If that right. Yeah, it's the dink and dunk uh, dynamic, you know, that, that, that the Patriots made favors. So, you know, maybe, uh, you know, old Arthur Smith may figure out, oh, if, I, if I've got a dink and dunk receiver and then just have, have another guy be the, uh, you know, the deep ball guy. You know, the, the the potential is absolutely there. They need their uh, Julio Jones. And I think they expected yeah. London to be the Julio Jones over there, and he's not. Mm-hmm. And I think they're realizing that. Um, and, and Drake London is becoming the receptions guy where they, they now need their, their new Julio Jones. And you're going to see, uh, to me, I think you're going to see Atlanta go into this draft looking for that big-time deep ball receiver that, that you know, the Falcons are, are lacking right now. You're going to see Atlanta do that, and and uh, Arthur Smith, he needs that. Desperately, he needs that. Mm-hmm. Right, but, for sure. Uh, Drake London, he winds up as number six. He still had himself a hell of a game this week. Mm-hmm. He was up the list, number six. 
Uh, number five, another guy that went up, Damian Pierce, the running back out of Houston. He had a uh, uh, two bad games in a row. Comes back with a really good one. Oh, hi, honey. You just say hi to the people. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So he had a, a 81.3 PFF grade, 88.1 rushing grade. So he had a decent game against a tough round. Run. He had a decent game versus a tough Browns run defense, but only a 4.1 average. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's a kind of middle of the road performance. I mean, I mean, it's good to see that he's getting better than he was, you know, having, you know, he, that two bad game streak is snapped. You yeah. know, he's in the top five, you know, you, you've been high on Damian Pierce all year. I have in Damian Pierce, you know, uh, 81.3 PFF grade is, is something special that 88.1 rushing grade has me thinking, I do believe that Damian Pierce could wind up being, you know, I, I said he was this like the he seemed like the second coming of Arian Foster. Yep. That's kind of where I think he's trending. He's a big, nasty power runner. He likes to lower that shoulder and pop people coming throw, coming over the line. I don't think he's a speedster by any stretch, but he is a, a very physical downhill runner that I really like. Damian Pierce is special. And mm. um you know, those two bad great games that, that he had these last two weeks really had me kind of concerned, and then he kind of came out swinging this week uh, against a really tough defense. So I, I really like what Damian Pierce is doing. It, it causes him to climb up the list, causes him to climb higher than Kenneth Walker, which which mm-hmm. is kind of surprising because I expected Kenneth Walker to continue his trajectory and wind up being higher than Damian Pierce on this list. Absolutely. You know, I wonder, I wonder if, that's, if, that's just, if that's just bad luck. Or if it's just it's just just the fact that you know Seattle is not on the same level, but I mean you know you know he's playing for the Damian Pierce is playing for the Houston Texans, which is a dumpster fire. But this is like finding that that shining diamond in a cow pie. But um, and I also want to point out that Damian Pierce is playing for a Lovey Smith coach team. What mm-hmm. does Lovey Smith love, and what did he love in Chicago? He loved yeah. what? Yeah, he he loved a physical run game. Yeah, he loved he loved Matt Forte. He had Matt Forte yep. for the longest time. So yep. I mean, like when when I'm talking about about Damian Pierce and his ability running the football, I think he's right up Lovey Smith's alley. That's mm-hmm. kind of the guy. So absolutely, I, yeah. So Damian Pierce, he gets a number five on the list. Number four goes to Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver out of the New York Jets. Had himself an amazing game. Uh, mm. Remarkable. Uh, yes. 80.3 PFF grade, 84.4 receiving grade. Uh, the Vikings defense gave him 162 yards. He could have gone over 200 yards in this game had Mike White not overthrown him on a double move where he beat Patrick Peterson. He's trending toward 1,000-plus yards this season. I think he's going to hit it. I mean, the Jets found their stud number one receiver, right, Garrett Wilson? Yep, and absolutely, and I think uh, even more important to note that you know Mike White came into the game, and all of a sudden Garrett Wilson's putting up these numbers. So right. it's it's even more evidence that Zach Wilson is not the guy at New at the New York Jets, uh, at least not until you know he smartens up and you know gets a better attitude about things. Uh, right. But Mike Mike White coming in and doing you know giving us the Mike White show, even if it's for a week. But you know, just like Joe Flacco, he seems to have a better rapport with Garrett Wilson than Zach Wilson has. And that's the thing. I think Garrett Wilson and Joe Flacco both realize, or, uh, or Mike White and Joe Flacco rather, both realize that Jer- Garrett Wilson is the guy. He's the number one receiver over there with the Jets, and they realize he should. He, the he should be anyway. Yeah, he should be, and and they 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 realize they have to get the guy to the the ball to the number one guy, and and I think Zach Wilson is kind of he's still focused on Elijah Moore, which Elijah Moore doesn't even want to be there because guys like. Uh, uh, you know, Mike White don't really throw the ball to him a whole lot. 
But to me, I, I, and I don't think Mike White is the future of the New York Jets or anything like that. I don't mm. think Joe Flacco is either. They're going to have no. to go draft their quarterback in the future. I don't think Zach Wilson is. They don't have the nope. quarterback in the future. It, it, it's kind of like the Sam Darnold situation in Carolina where it's like, you know, oh, he's this rookie. Oh, he's going to be. Nope. You know, that experiment failed. I right. don't think the Zach Wilson experiment has failed just yet. He just needs to humble himself up. And then maybe next year when he, when he understands, okay, you know, I'm not this, you know, I need to not be this punk ass kid that I've been this, these past few weeks, you know, uh, I, I need to smarten up and understand, okay, this is a team effort, but you know, exactly. we'll see what, what we have to see what it is. We have to see what the story with Zach Wilson is, but I agree, you know, even, even if he gets his act together, you know, they might have to draft another quarterback. Right, right. I think that's where they're headed. They're going to have to draft their quarterback in the future. The downside for the Jets is they're playing so well this year that mm. because they're playing well, they're going to wind up with a late-round draft pick. And and that's going to be a problem for them moving forward is, is they're going to have to draft a late-round uh, guy that I don't know is going to be capable of being a good starter in the NFL. I mean, mm. it, it, on the other hand, it could wind up being Hendon Hooker because of the, the, uh, mm. the injury issues that he suffered late in the season for the, the uh, Tennessee Vols. But, you know, we don't know where the Jets are headed in that circumstance. So, oh. Absolutely. So, yep, it, so it's, it, it remains to be seen. But uh, number three, uh, you know, uh, speaking of, you know, Garrett Wilson, the Ohio State Buckeyes, where he came from, number three goes to Chris Olave, the wide receiver out of New Orleans. He had an 83.4 PFF grade, an 84.3 receiving grade, and he had a 65-yard performance for versus a very tough defense while Stewart still doing it with the question of quarterback play at the questionable quarterback play of Andy Dalton, you know, his grades dropped only a little bit, but I mean, you know, it's, it's, we all joked about this the whole season, you know, Andy Dalton's the statue. He's clearly not the guy in new Orleans. He's clearly not, the, you know, he's clearly not the guy he was in, in, in uh, Cincinnati. And despite that, you know, he still puts up an impressionable performance. He still, you know, outranks his uh, his teammate Garrett Wilson. Um, I, I think I think it's just a continuation of the uh, the fact that Andy Dalton is not the answer in New Orleans. Is it not? Yeah, I think Andy Dalton isn't the answer in New Orleans. That's something I, I think that's that's worth talking about. But Garrett, uh, Chris Olave, um, why three point four PFF grade, eighty four point three receiving grade is something to to really talk about. His grades mm-hmm. did drop slightly. Um, Garrett Wilson hasn't been as consistent as Chris Olave, but Chris Olave, um, in the last couple of weeks, hasn't been as hot as Garrett Wilson, if that makes sense. It's kind of, um, I, I do think the Saints need their quarterback in the future. Obviously, mm. their division's a fucking dumpster fire, let's be yeah, real. Yeah, absolutely, yep. But but they, a lot of that comes from quarterback play down, mm. the, down the stretch. The Saints are going to come in, they're, they're not. I think they have about a four and eight record right now. So, I mean, yeah. they're, they're it, it, it's line. not good. No. And they're, they're going to be in line for a quarterback here. I believe uh, four and nine, actually. Yeah. Four and nine. So, I mean, they're, they're top 10 pick, right? I mean, let, let's be real. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I just, I think that, um, you know, Chris Olave would have benefited from better quarterback play if, it, if he was mm-hmm. in there with Joe Flacco or something like that. And that's, I, I am not a Joe Flacco guy, but if I'm comparing, you know, apples to apples here. Is Joe Flacco better than Andy Dalton? I think so. 
I think so, and I think so right now, anyway, especially the current Andy Dalton. This is yeah. not the MVP caliber season, Andy Dalton, that we were talking about. No, yeah, he's definitely this is this is definitely not Cincinnati territory, like I said. I mean, this is this is post prime Andy Dalton here, statuesque, right. right? So, I mean, it's it, it that we got we got a problem when it comes to to him and New Orleans, you know, and and this is something I completely forgot about. The New Orleans Saints did trade away their first round draft pick to the Philadelphia Eagles. So even though they're slated to pick number five overall, the Eagles own that draft pick at the moment. Mm-mm. So yeah. that that's something to, to really think about too. That really three of the top five draft picks are owned by teams that don't actually aren't responsible for that draft. Pick. Right. So, <laughs> it's because of the bad play by the team that traded it away. Right. So, I mean, Chris Olave, he's he's finding himself in sort of a bad position. The Saints don't have a first-rounder this year. I mean, that's that's got to suck, yep. right? I, that's that's terrible. It's bad so, news bears. Yeah, so Chris Olave winds up as number three on the list. Number two goes to your boy. This is sauce me. boss. Yep, the sauce boss. Ahmad Sauce Gardner, an 84.2 PFF grade. He has an, a 68 run defense, 67, 66.7 pass rush grade. 86 coverage grade. He gave up two receptions on four targets. He allowed 17 yards while covering Justin Jefferson. He was not good blitzing the quarterback um, or in run defense. Look, uh, Sauce Gardner, you know, had he done better in the run defense and pass rush area, you know, we'd be having a different conversation about him. I, but giving up the two receptions on four targets, he did give up a 50% completion percentage as well. Right. So his grades dropped overall all across mm-hmm. the do you think? Do you think he's better at covering the pass as opposed to defending the run and blitzing the quarterback? I, it sounds to me like he needs to be, you know, like I said, the the second coming of Reva Silent. He just needs to cover that number one receiver and make sure that guy doesn't catch passes. You know, that's yeah. his strength. You know, it, based it is, it's one game, but do you think the question must be begged then? Is he is you know a, the the true sign of a great cornerback? is to not only, you know, cover the receiver that you're covering, but also if you're asked to blitz, you get in there and you knock the quarterback on his shoes. But one you thing, think you, one thing I believe about Sauce Gardner and and this is the the thing that gets me about about this stat line currently in this particular situation. Mm-hmm. He gave up 2 for 4 for 17 yards. Yep. And against Justin Jefferson and and um one of the best receivers in the league. Right. And that begs the question. I mean, to me, I think Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in the league, right. hands down. But and and that's just not me being, you know, a, a Homer, right. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's just me being real. I think Justin Jefferson is the man. But if you look at the situation and how it plays out, if Sauce Gardner gave up two receptions on four targets and two of those receptions were to Justin Jefferson and and he he knocked his socks off. And that was kind of the matchup that everybody was kind of looking for. What happens if Justin Jefferson was on Sauce Gardner all game long? Because I, I have questions about, you know, if, if Justin Jefferson gets 10 targets and he has or gets 12 targets and he gets six receptions. You know, now we're now we're having a completely different conversation about that stat line, you yep, know, and, and at this rate, Justin Jefferson catches half of them. Right. right. So six receptions and we're talking in the 60s and we're talking about, you know. A, a, a possible touchdown. So, so, it, so is that real? So is that really fair to Sauce Gardner? Right. Um, 
And, and so the, the, it's the question of the day. His his coverage grades dropped a little bit because of what happened, which is him and just between him and Justin Jefferson. Right. And I understand he's a rookie, but Justin Jefferson is only in his third year. I I really believe that that Gardner kind of got slapped around a little bit and kind of brought back down to earth somewhat in this game. But uh, but it's against the best receiver in the league. Bingo. And and that's kind of what we're what leaves him at two but doesn't do enough to move him to one. And then on top of it, number one goes to Kyle Hamilton, who we had again. Been, yep. Again, who we've had number number one for the last three weeks. I, uh, one of the best safeties in the league, 84.6. The best safety in the league. If, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, as of last week, he was, I haven't looked at the grades for this week, uh, but an 84.6 PFF grade, 70.6 run defense, 75.4 pass rush, 83.9 in coverage. One thing I will say, he did struggle heavily versus mm. in this game in all four categories. He didn't tackle well. He didn't perform in run support. He uh, uh, had a massive drop-off in, in that category with the run support. I mean, he... <laughs> well, that was a dumpster fire of a game to begin with. I mean, 9 to 10, I mean, that's a total snooze fest. Right. He had all of his grades drop in, in this game. But uh, he... Because of he kind of lucked out because Sauce Gardner had himself a bad game too. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the overall PFF. Well, 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 bad compared to like his usual stat breaking numbers. Right, but look at the PFF grades: eighty four point six for Hamilton, eighty four point two for Sauce. So I mean, they're they're mm-hmm. kind of sort of getting sort of lockstep here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's getting interesting. The one it's it's interesting to say that Gardner is better as an overall coverage corner, whereas Hamilton is good all around. But he did have his all-around safety grades drop as far as pass rush and run defense. So, I mean, and his coverage grade dropped a little bit. So, I mean, it's weird. Hamilton did have a little bit of a cushion, a cushion against Gardner, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, it's why we have Hamilton as the number one guy. But it's it's getting a little tighter here. And mm-hmm. if, if Gardner has a good game and Hamilton performs like he did this last week, moving into this week, we might be talking about a hot sauce Gardner as number one. Right, exactly. Again, so I mean, it, we got questions. Same with Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. By the way, mm. make that clear. You, if, if Garrett Wilson has another game like he just had, and Chris Olave has another kind of and performance, you might see the flip flop. You might Absolutely. see it was number three. So we have questions there. It's it's uh, getting a little tighter, but right now it's it's a jousting match for number one and two between Garrett Wilson and Ahmad Sauce Gardner. You mean so, Kyle Hamilton and Sauce Gardner? Right, and these are our, our rookie rankings. Now, Alex, we got some news around the league, and we got yep. a tackle here. Let's um, going. First and foremost, I, I mean, let's let's talk about the injuries. We got a, a series of injuries that are happening, but we also have guys that are ha- coming off of injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll we'll talk about Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence. He's questionable for Sunday versus the Titans due to a toe injury. We Uh-oh. all initially it's a knee injury when, when the game actually happened. Turns out it's a toe. Uh, Trevor Lawrence not being in there versus the Titans, I think this kind of makes the Titans toast, right? Yeah, it's you, you really need just you need, you really need Trevor Lawrence to get that offense going. I mean, it, and it, especially if Derrick Henry, you know, decides to you know get on the tracks and be the freight train that he actually is, you kind of need you kind of need an offensive weapon to off balance that. So you know, if if the Jaguars can't really, if the Jaguars don't have. Uh, Trevor Lawrence to play it's going to be it's going to be bad news bears yeah I think so too I I think that the, especially against that Titans defense that actually has been decent uh real uh, like all throughout the year yep 
it's going to be trouble for the the Jags. Um, next up, another big issue: the Giants running back Saquon Barkley listed as questionable versus the Eagles due to a neck injury. Uh oh. Saquon, maybe even say gone even further. I mean, he might. Oh, be hey, remember what I said? He said he would get it. We we told he would get injured. I believe he broke a thousand yards though, so that that kind of throws my prediction in the trash. But you know, just like you know, he's been hurt before. You know, so it's kind of going back to the same thing. You right. know, this is probably this is probably going to be the nail in the coffin as it come as it pertains to the fact that the Giants are fool's gold. You know, their number one running back just bit the dust again, possibly for the rest of the year. And who are they facing this week? That's right, the Philadelphia Eagles. It's bedlam. It's a bad time for this injury. Yeah, it's it's bad news, Bears. Um, and and Saquon not being the, like that is the the Giants' offense right there. I mean yep. that is the, he, the, their whole offense. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. D D Jones isn't the answer. Darius Slayton isn't, isn't the answer. You know, all all of them together with Saquon Barkley, they have a chance. But yeah. without Saquon, eh, good luck. Yeah, that's going to be a shit show. I think it's going to be a pounding. Uh, yeah. Elsewhere around that division, the Cowboys they activated wide receiver James Washington off of IR. He'll make his team debut on Sunday versus the Texans. James Washington, if you remember, uh, he was the technically the number three and the number two eventually uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the re- wide receiver department. Uh, the guy actually played good ball. I actually really liked him when he was playing for the Steelers. And here we are. Uh, he's getting ready to make his debut for the Cowboys. I'm actually pretty fired up for this. I think it's going to be a good weapon for Dak Prescott. He's a good deep As ball. if they need any more. I mean, come on. You have you have Zeke. You have Tony Pollard. You have CeeDee Lamb. You know, <laughs> and you have that vaunted defense. I mean, what else do you need at this point? If you know, he, if looking at it, looking at their their situation, and and I, I don't know. Like, for a while there, it kind of looked like Michael Gallup was going to be something special. But yep. – uh, He's clearly a number three. Yeah, you know, I, I think Michael Gallup isn't the, the answer over there as a number two. I think Washington has a better, uh, um, he has a better opportunity to be the number two over there than than Michael mm-hmm. Gallup does. I uh, I think Michael Gallup should be the number three, and, and Washington should be the number two. <laughs> but he gets another weapon, Dak. I mean, he's got a. I mean, it's a good problem to have. I mean, James Washington mm-hmm. coming back, that's pretty exciting. So the Cowboys get that receiver back. Um, another guy getting ready to come back that I know you're excited for <laughs> Yep, is going to be defensive end Romeo Aquara. He okay. could make his season debut versus the Vikings this Sunday after sitting out most of the season with an Achilles injury for the Lions. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Aquara, a great defensive end. He, he brings a, a hell of a pass rush. And also with the Lions, obviously we've talked about him. We'll talk about him some more. Rookie wide receiver and first-round draft pick, Jamison Williams, set to make his debut versus the Vikings as well. You know, the Vikings are already underdogs in this game. It just gets worse. Yeah, well, for you it does, but (laughs) but I'll tell you what. I mean, it's exciting to see. You know, it's it's definitely a must-win game for both teams, but I think much, much more so for the Minnesota Vikings. A, to stamp that card to get into the playoffs and win the division, but more so to, you know, just to to solidify the fact that, hey, we're the better team in the NFC North. You know, to really, you know, know, if they get a division win over their hated rivals, you know, it's just one more peg to put on on the bedroom post. If you know what I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I <laughs> the bedroom post. What the hell am I talking about? No, no, That's I, the beer I, talking bulletin board material. 
you know, <laughs> and, and I think that's what it is. And and the Vikings have their work cut out for them this week oh, against yeah. the Lions team, especially Vikings center Garrett Bradbury is listed as questionable due to a back injury. The Vikings safety Harrison Smith is listed as questionable due to an illness. Uh-oh. And the Vikings offensive tackle Christian Derrissaw is listed as questionable versus the Lions due to a concussion. Isn't, isn't Harrison Smith supposed to be one of the best safeties on the on the Vikings team? He is one of the best safeties in football in general. Yep. And and for him to be ill right now is is a major issue. Uh, I, I know, and I know you've been kind of back and forth on Garrett Bradbury, but you know, hasn't he been the better center or the better offensive lineman? Garrett Bradbury was rough for his first three years and has turned it around this year. Um, it's been a much better year for him. But the Vikings, uh, you know, it's no wonder why they're underdogs going into this game, and mm. and they're going to have their work cut out for them with a very tough Lions team that has been playing well. Um, I, I would like to see the Vikings. Obviously, me as a Vikings fan, pull this one out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I all indicators point that the Lions are going to stop them out and finish the job uh, knocking the Vikings down a peg. It, it's it's mm-hmm. not. Good. I don't think it's going to be a stomp job. It's going to be close. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know that it's going to be close. And we'll find out. We'll find out if the Vikings can turn it on. But I mean, if the Harrison Smith isn't there, that means Josh Metellus is going to be in the mm-hmm. Vikings missing some key uh, uh, parts of that that offensive line. It's mm-hmm. going to be a rough go, and if War- Romeo Quara is back, and we're over here starting Blake Brandle at offensive tackle versus Uh-oh. versus uh, him, that it's bad, it's, you know, bad news bears. Yeah, it's going to get ugly. Kirk Cousins, they have to get the ball out quick. The Vikings are going to have to run the ball effectively. Check down, uh, Charlie. Yeah, this is this is going to be uh, a lot of trouble for the Vikings here uh, moving forward. So mm. elsewhere around that division, or well, around the uh, the conference, we, we were talking about the, the NFC West earlier, or the NFC East rather earlier. Let's talk about that NFC East a little more. The Eagles defensive end, Robert Quinn, he undergoes a knee scope. He's placed on IR. Um, moving into that trade, when he got traded over to the Eagles, remember Robert Quinn was set to break the record for, for sacks by a Bears defensive lineman. Yeah. <laughs> And, was, and then, and then, of course, the GM decided to have a stroke and trade him away to the Eagles. I'm like, what? Yeah, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. I, it still doesn't make sense to me. Um, I, I don't understand what the hell the Bears are doing, uh, and and their salary cap situation is just silly. Probably, it, probably understands why they're probably sitting at the bottom of the barrel in the NFC North. Yep, they've got a lot of a lot of second round draft picks coming their way, but not a whole lot of first rounders. They're going to be mm. picking guys out of the middle of the draft and trying to put that team together in free agency, it's going to get ugly for the Bears. But but Robert Quinn over there with the Eagles, I mean, I feel like certain players to the Eagles are like just dropping like flies. Mm. I think that they'll be able to pull this one out and kind of fix it. But, yeah, I mean, you know, they, well, they had the, they had that problem with, you know, they, they lost two of their starting defensive tackles. What did they do? Get Indomitian Sue and the other guy, I, I apologize, his name escapes me at the moment. Lindell. Yeah. The former Minnesota Viking, who was a yeah, th- th- those two guys, you know, they they filled them in. They got Dicker the kicker for a week after their main kicker goes down. So they, you know, they have the opportunity, they have the ability to fill those positions when they need. So it's it's not it's not the end of the world for the Eagles. I don't think it will be either, but it it does suck not having Wa- or Robert Quinn on the field. I think he's been for sure a special player for them. Uh, other teams that won't have defensive ends on the field, uh, Nick Bosa right now listed as questionable versus the Bucks due to a hamstring injury. And then also for the, the uh, uh, 49ers, the quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, he leaves the game versus the Dolphins last week with a foot injury. He's ruled out for the season initially, oh. but they're saying it's a broken foot and he may be able to return to finish the year. Um, are you 
fired up about Brock Purdy as the quarterback? Well, well if his if his stat line last week is of any consequence, you know, there definitely seems to be potential there. You know, Brock Purdy going from being a Mr. Irrelevant to, oh my God, we got a player here. Right. You know, you know, Tom Brady was you know drafted pretty low. You know, he he was a late draft pick, and look what he's done. He's won seven rings. Now, I'm not saying Brock Purdy's going to win seven rings, not by any stretch of the imagination. But it's very refreshing. You know, if he can keep up that positive uh, influence, you know, as a backup quarterback, we could probably see. You know, we could probably sit here and say, you know what, San Francisco is doing just fine without Jimmy G. Yeah, it it does seem like they're they're doing just fine with without him and and uh, you know well, they I, also they also have CMC Debo and 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 Nick Bosa you know they have all the players to fill the gaps as as it were. Yeah, I want to see if that that one week with Brock Purdy actually playing decently and it wasn't an incredible game but it was decent enough. I want to see if it it was an anomaly or if this is the situation where Brock Purdy's going to come out and and continue to show hey I can still be the guy out here in this system. It'd be exciting to see. Yeah, it's going to be something interesting. Uh, Definitely something to talk about. Uh, Elsewhere, around that division, the Seahawks, running back Kenneth Walker and DJ Dallas, both have ankle injuries. Travis Homer is likely to make the start this week versus the Panthers. Mm. We've seen Travis Homer in the past. Mm. I'm going to tell people right now, if you remember what Travis Homer did a few years back, do not sleep on Travis Homer. I, I know it's a silly thing to say, and I know people yeah. are like, why, are we, why, why would we not want to sleep on Travis Homer? Look, Travis Homer came in, and if anybody remembers what that man did in the absence of Chris Carson, he played extremely well. Travis well, Homer is a high-end backup in this league. Well, and also they're playing the Carolina Panthers. So, I mean, you know, you got they're playing a dumpster fire of a team. Now, granted, it's, you know, they made some changes. You know, they got rid of Baker Mayfield. They got rid of their head coach. You know, Dante Foreman came out to be the number one the number one running back there, refreshingly so. But still, they have Geno Smith. And, you know, even if Kenneth Walker is sitting out, you know, if this guy is, as as you say, you know, this, this shouldn't be a problem. And, again, it's Carolina. Yeah, exactly. And Carolina has been bad. Um, and one thing that they did do, which was uh, it was surprising, but then at the same time, it kind of worked out and, and it works out for a team in the 49ers division and, and the Seattle Seahawks division. The Panthers released quarterback Baker Mayfield. The Rams pick him up and he wins his debut on short notice <laughs> on Thursday night football versus what, the Raiders. What a wacky world pro football is, you know, yeah. holy smokes, you know, <laughs> it's like we we're sitting here going, Oh, Baker's going to shit the bed. This is going to be great. Get your popcorn. Well, we got our popcorn out, but for different reasons. So yeah. now granted that was against a mal- much maligned Raiders team. And we talked about it offline before we went on air, the defense played soft. You know, and then allowed Baker Mayfield to get back into the game and allowed Baker Mayfield to make that last second touchdown. So, you know, whose fault is it really? I would put that blame squarely on the Raiders. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And and the Rams also have other issues around around their team. They're, they are an, an absolute mess from an injury perspective. Quarterback Matt Stafford, he has a spinal cord contusion. He's likely out for the season. And Rams defensive tackle Aaron Donald, he's hoping to return. We talked about his injury last mm-hmm. week. He's hoping to return after this week. So we might not even see Aaron Donald until, uh, you know, not this Sunday, but the following Sunday. Obviously, they played on Thursday Night Football. So we may see him, but we're going to see uh, if, if Aaron Donald hits the field again, which is going to be 
just that. Well, that. You, as if this team didn't need any more bad news. I mean, this is just this is just one more log on top of the shit pile, and yeah. this is quite possibly the worst Super Bowl winning team to have the the next consecutive season in NFL history. I'm arguing that right now. Right, and and it it's pretty ugly. I I have a feeling that they're going to wind up being a a three and fourteen type of team if they don't you know figure something out. But um, you know, uh, moving forward on and around that division, you got the Cardinals. The Cardinals wide receiver Rondale Moore is listed as questionable versus the Patriots due to a groin injury. The good news for the Cardinals is wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins is now listed as active after logging a full practice on Friday. He missed uh, a couple of practices due to an injury. Look, DeAndre Hopkins is a special player, and and I, I do think that Rondale Moore is a good player, but he is a number three, number two at best. I don't think Rondale Moore at any juncture in time is going to wind up being a number one receiver. And frankly, I think Rondale Moore is kind of like, the number three receiver that has a little bit of that special teams kind of luster to him where we start talking about him being a punt returner and a kick returner and whatever the case. But at the end of the day, uh, Rondale Moore, um, he, him being out, it hurts, but it doesn't kill him. And let's not forget the fact that the Cardinals do have Marquise Hollywood Brown still hanging out there. So they're still going to have their one, two punch in Deandre Hopkins, but they're also going to have, you know, Mar- Marquise Hollywood Brown. And then, I mean, they're missing pieces, but it's not going to be killer to them. Uh, they're going to need to figure out the tight end situation, though, because Zach Ertz is out for their season. He did he did uh, go out and deal with uh, an offseason, or I'm sorry, uh, an injury uh, surgery on an injury that he recently had for his groin So and his ACL and MCL. So there's a lot going on there. Uh, but the the Cardinals, they've got a their work cut out for them this week versus the Patriots, a very good Patriots defense, by the way, who's, who's been playing very well. Let's see if Jack Jones can bounce back from that. Speaking of the Patriots division, uh, the bills defensive tackle, Jordan Phillips was downgraded out versus the jets for due to a shoulder injury. And also linebacker, Matt Milano gets listed as questionable due to the uh, versus the jets due to a knee injury. You know, Matt Milano has been a revelation for the, the Bills this year. I mean, I'm amazed by the fact that he's been able to step it up the way he has, especially in the absence of Von Miller. Matt Milano, has, I have contested on this show, has always been something of a player that, that uh, nobody talked about and gave very much credit. I like Matt Milano a lot. Um, the fact that he won't be, may not be out there versus the Jets is a huge problem, but also the fact that uh, defensive tackle Jordan Phillips is downgraded out. The fact that Jordan Phillips won't be there for the Bills that's a problem, too. The Bills are going to need those defensive tackles to stop the run. Jordan Phillips not being there. And also linebacker Matt Milano. Yeah, Milano's probably been one of their most dynamic uh, defensive players, you know, outside of, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's a problem yeah, you know, yeah. not have him on the field. Was an issue, especially in the passing game, the way that he covers passes as a linebacker. You don't see that very often in this league. So that's going to be a, a major issue. Um, you think it's you think it's another another notch on the bed for the the whole Bills downward spiral? I mean, it's kind of hard to imagine that you know that the Bills would be knocked out of the playoffs this late in the season. But you know, since it's you know it's a, it's a super competitive AFC East. You know, we were talking about the Dolphins potentially 
being the number one seed in the AFC. Right. And you know, I mean, well, they're, you know, there's a, they're only a couple of games back from the Bills and the Chiefs. So, holy smokes, we might actually be able to see that. Yeah, and one thing I want to point out for the Bills, I mean, Milano has been special, but Von Miller, he's ruled out for the yep. season. Oh, yeah, huge yep. loss. So, I mean, you, you have a lot of injuries. I don't know if the Bills are necessarily on a downward spiral, per se. Right, but, I, I, think that's, I think that's a bit strong. But but the injury bug has bit them the, in the, almost in the same way that it bit the Baltimore Ravens last year, where mm-hmm. the Ravens were looked at as a high-end playoff team. The Ravens got bit with so many injuries and high-end players that that they didn't wind up making the playoffs. Now I do think that that the Bills will make the playoffs this year. That's to me no that's a given. But I I do think they're going to have their work cut out for them if they're going to wind up going to the playoffs and and mm-hmm. have these guys that are out and hurt and whatever the case may be. So we're going to find out. And then when it comes to the Dolphins, I mean you brought them up. The Dolphins are doing the right thing. They're doing a lot of the same things that the Philadelphia Eagles are doing in this specific case. Mm-hmm. Offensive tackle Austin Jackson gets placed on IR. They go out and sign for former first-round pick off, uh, offensive tackle Eric Fisher, who was mm-hmm. a Super Bowl-winning offensive tackle. I mean, they, they go out and scoop him up. So, I mean, the, the Dolphins are doing all the right things to try and, and make sure and ensure that they are going to be in the playoffs. It is something to behold, the way that the Dolphins and Eagles are handling their personnel moves over the course of the last couple of seasons. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you who knows? I mean— it's it's a bit of a stretch to see if we're going to see uh, you know an Eagles Dolphins Super Bowl, but you know it's certainly possible. And you know the fact that you know they're making these moves and thinking about the future, both short term and long term, you know that might you know go a long way to to securing their their respective line in the pecking order. Uh, yeah. it's obviously, the playoffs are a weird thing. You know, and weird stuff has happened in the playoffs where, you know, the Dallas Cowboys went 13 and three. What they do, they bounce in the first round. So weird stuff happens all the time. But if we're if we're to believe the current trajectory of both of these teams that, as you mentioned, the, the Eagles and the Dolphins, we could see them in the Super Bowl. We could. We could. That could be a thing, especially with how high powered uh, the Eagles um, have been or the, the uh, Dolphins have been this year. Yep, on the both. So that is something to, to really think about and we just got done mentioning the injuries that went on with the Baltimore Ravens well guess what they're back in that situation quarterback Lamar Jackson he's listed as doubtful this week uh oh the injury he missed the entire week of practice Tyler Huntley is set to take the start against the Steelers this week uh you know Lamar this is the second year in a row he's been hurt and mm. uh, Huntley takes the start Huntley is not a bad backup he's a higher no. but i will say that for Tyler judging by what we saw last week, Tyler last year around this time when Lamar got hurt around this time last year, Tyler was talking about how he feels that Tyler Huntley could be the starting quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens. Now, whether or not he's seen the same tune after what we saw last week, that's a different question. That's a different ball of wax. So here's, here's the deal with this. I mean, you, you got, you have a division rival. Yes. They're at the bottom of the division. Yes. They're they're near the bottom of the AFC. But you can never take the Pittsburgh Steelers lightly. Kenny Pickett, you know, seems to be uh, 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 the superior quarterback over uh, Mitch Trubisky. And you know, if you don't have Lamar, you don't have that dynamic one-two punch with his with his arm and his legs. Right. So yeah, I mean, the, the claims have been made on the show before that you know, oh, 
you know, Tyler Huntley's going to be the next starter uh, of the, mm, well, maybe, but is that really going to mean the same as a Lamar Jackson? I don't know. And, you know, you really, so I, if I was a Ravens fan, I would, I would be sweating bullets right now. Yeah, I would be too. I, I think the Ravens are likely going to make the playoffs anyway. Oh yeah. But I have questions. Yeah, I, I would, I would think Cincinnati sneaks in front of them. That's a bold, predict- that's a semi-bold prediction. And and I wouldn't be surprised. But the other thing is, is that Lamar's in a contract year, and it's mm-hmm. a question of what they're going to pay him, if he's going to accept what they're paying him, and where he's going to go if they don't pay him, and what the Ravens right. do at the quarterback position moving forward. You know, if, if well, you know, Trey, you know, uh, Tyler, you know, Huntley might be might be the starter just out of necessity. Yep. But really, I would think the Ravens would just go into the draft or get a, or get a decent quarterback of free agency. Yep, and as it currently stands, the Ravens right now are actually set to pick 26th. So it's going to be really Oof. tough to put themselves yeah. back um, out of that that draft position. Yeah, the the good ones are going to get scooped up before then. I guarantee it. Yeah, so I think that's where we're what we're looking at there. Elsewhere around that division, Browns wide receiver Amari Cooper is listed mm-hmm. as questionable for Sunday versus the Bengals due to a hip injury. That's a bad news, Bears. Has quietly been a very good surprise for for the Browns, and also Browns tight end David Njoku, who's also been a pleasant surprise. Yep, for uh, he's good to go after missing uh, for Sunday after missing Week 13 due to a knee injury, so he'll be back. But Amari Cooper, if he's not on the field, the Browns are in kind of trouble. Yeah, they're in deep trouble. Well, especially since they got you know Joe Burrow and uh, the trio known as T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd, yeah. especially with Chase being healthy. You know, that that Cleveland team is really in trouble. Yeah, they're in trouble in a big way. And I, I think that that uh, ultimately when we're when we're talking about the the Cleveland Browns, they need all the weapons they can get. Again, yeah. like I said, Amari Cooper has been uh, a pleasant surprise. The man, he, he's averaged about anywhere from nine to 12 targets a game. It seems. <laughs> well, um, I mean, he, he was a formidable weapon in Dallas. Yeah, he was. And, and he. He needed to. He needs to be utilized more. I think Jacoby Brissett utilized him quite well, but I don't know if Deshaun Watson is going to have that same rapport with them unless they get a they log a full offseason together. Right. It's it, the Browns are are for the most part eliminated from the playoffs this year, but but they they need to develop the rapport. And Amari Cooper is a special talent. I've always contested that Amari Cooper is a special talent. I contested after this year that when the the Cowboys traded him away to Cleveland, it was a silly move. I still say it's a silly move. Um, the Browns need more receivers. I thought the things that they did were dumb. I, I mean, it was just outlandish, but, um, yeah, man, I, I believe that it's, it's kind of a, a dumb play, uh, to not be getting Amari Cooper, the football. And now that Amari mm-hmm. is injured, you're going to be in, in dire straits. It believes Donovan people's Jones as your number one receiver over there. Well, you know, that's not, that's not a bad thing, but at the same time, he's no Amari Cooper. No. I mean, I, I, we would hope that he, you know, proves us wrong. Goes, oh shit! Look at the stat line Donovan Peoples Jones put up against the Bengals this week. Well, right. that remains to be seen. Yeah, I want to see if he can actually be the number one, but I don't think anybody takes him seriously in that in that uh, situation. Well, not in the NFL, at least. Yeah, exactly. That has yet to be seen. Um, and also, we were talking about the Dolphins and Ravens a little bit earlier. Uh, first of all, the Steelers running back Najee Harris is listed as questionable versus the Ravens with an oblique. Oof. So that's going to be a tough loss, especially after he had such a solid game this last week. 
And then also when we're talking about the Dolphins, they set to take on the Chargers this week. Chargers wide receiver Mike Williams was a full participant in practice. He'll likely make his return this week versus the Dolphins after suffering the ankle injury in week 11. And also Charger safety Derwin James is listed as doubtful versus the Dolphins for a quad injury. First of all, Mike Williams, he's an excellent receiver, but he has had some injury woes this year and really throughout his entire career. I just feel like the the Chargers receivers just can't stay healthy, right? Right. I mean, that, that seems to be the, the case all year. And, you know, Justin Herbert's been carrying team. You know, Austin Eckler, uh, you know, hasn't been like the top back that, you know, that, you know, everybody's touting him to be. I mean, the Chargers, you know, are sitting at six and six. They're at 500, you know, and it's quite possibly because of the fact that they have, you know, a weakened receiver core. You know, they have a decent running game. They're finding a way. They're finding ways to stay in the mix. But the, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, they're, they're probably going to get bounced from the playoffs uh, more often than not due to just bad luck, bad injury situations. You know, they have a Hall of Fame quarterback in Justin, Justin Herbert. You know, we, we you stand there by that. I stand by that. I don't think anybody's going to argue the fact that Justin Herbert's a future Hall of Famer. But at the same time, you know, it comes down to availability and reliability and whether or not you can stay healthy. And these guys have not stayed healthy. Yeah, they, they haven't. And it's been it's been troubling. Um, <clears throat> it's been troubling for them. So I, I just don't know if the Chargers are going to be. It's like you said, they might get bounced in the playoffs, but if they do get bounced in the playoffs, I think this falls more on Brandon Staley. And right. I do think it falls on the, the general manager at this yeah. point. It, it, I don't think it has to do with Justin Herbert. No. The, the problem for the general manager is he made the right move in getting Justin Herbert. And right. we all agree on that. The problem comes in where Justin Herbert just doesn't have the weapons available because these guys are hurt all the time. They're going to have to actually go out and, like, Josh Palmer is not the guy. Like, like, can mm-hmm. we just say that? Josh Palmer is not the guy. And, and, and neither is DeAndre Carter. He's not the guy either. You have to go into the draft. You need to pick up a number one receiver. And in, in, in the draft, a young guy and develop from there. Keenan Allen is no spring chicken, by the way. Right. 34 years old. I mean, like it's time. Yeah. He only, he only had six catches for 88 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, that those aren't world beating numbers. Oh, it's, it's time to go younger. I like Keenan Allen. I think he's a good receiver, but he's older. And and that's a problem. And he gets hurt every year. It's time to go younger. It's time to get more durability there. And, and the chargers also, they need to start thinking about their secondary. Mm-hmm. Tyler and I are really big on Derwin James. I like Derwin James. Him being listed as doubtful versus the Dolphins due to a quad injury. Look, Derwin James is a great player. He's mm-hmm. one of those guys that when he's on the field, he is lights out. He is one of the best safeties in the game. But when, you know, his first year in the league, he got hurt and he was one of the best safeties in the game for the first two games and then he was out for the rest of the year. And then after that, the second year, he was hot for like the first two or three games of the year, and then he was out for the year. He got hurt out for the year. Now this year, he's hurt again. Derwin James is so injury-prone and not durable <laughs> that it's yeah. becoming an issue for the Chargers. They have to really start thinking about this secondary situation. And the Chargers, if I'm not mistaken, signed him to a huge extension. Oof. And, and I just, at a certain point, something's got to give. Yep. Something has got to give. You have to get a guy that's going to be durable. I can't sit here and pay a, a safety 
I don't care if you play well for eight games because what happens in those other eight games? Right, exactly. That that's a problem. So so I got I, I have questions about what the Chargers are doing, and their general manager is is got to be <laughs> at this juncture in time. At this point, he's got to be under fire. And if yeah. you're not under fire, there's a problem. But but your your receivers are getting older and they're injury prone. Mike Williams is a younger guy compared to Keenan Allen, but he is also injury prone. I mean, like. You got to get a receiver. You got to get a receiver. You got to get a, a, some more defensive backs. There's got to be some help. And, the, and then the fact that they sent Jerry Tillery out the door and understand Jerry Tillery this past Thursday night, he was the main reason why why the the Rams wound up beating the Raiders because the Raiders had Jerry Tillery and Jerry Tillery did not uh, do his job late in that mm-hmm. game. But at the end of the day, Jerry Tillery is a very good defensive tackle. The fact that the, the Chargers let De- Jerry Tillery just walk out the door mm-hmm. is silly. Yeah. At a certain point, you've got to start questioning coaching. You've got to start questioning the general management. You have to start questioning things when it comes to the Chargers. Brandon Staley is not the answer over there as a the head coach. They're, he's on the hot seat. They need to find a new head coach after this year and maybe even a new general manager. Am I right? Yep. I think at, at this, you know, based on what you're telling me, it makes sense. You know, especially, you know, when you let Tillery go out the door, you yeah. know, who is who is who is a decent, as you say, a decent defensive player. So at the end, of, at the end of the day, you know, at the you know, we've we've seen GMs be fired for less, you know, you know, one, one of their, you know, there was another team whose GM got bounced, you know, because, yeah, yeah, yeah Tennessee's GM got bounced because of the A.J. Brown trade. So, yeah, you know, and, and that's the next thing is you're talking about GMs getting bounced. Titans fired GM John Robinson after seven re- seven seasons. Yep. Look, I, I part of me really does think that this isn't the AJ Brown situation, which I agree with. And, and speaking of, uh, you know, they they traded AJ Brown. They went and got Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks has turned out to be a bust. Titans wide receiver Traylon Burks right now is listed as out versus the Jags with a concussion, so he's got injury issues. But not only that, there were conditioning questions about this guy going into the offseason. If I was a general manager and, and just going into this draft and I had a, a need at wide receiver, I am not trading A.J. Brown. I am re-signing A.J. Brown to a long-term deal, and I'm going into the draft, and I'm drafting my wide receiver number two because he's going to wind up being number two be t- behind A.J. Brown more than likely. Traylon Burks, uh, to me, I didn't think he was a first-round guy. I don't think he deserves to be a first-round guy. I didn't think he was set to be a first-round guy. But then to give up A.J. Brown, and you didn't get Dick. That's the problem. Not only did you trade away A.J. Brown, but you didn't get Dick for him. And then you went out and picked up Traylon Burks, and you expect Traylon Burks, who has horrible asthma issues, horrible Mm -hmm. conditions, to be your next big wide receiver. He you he only- caught he caught one ball for 25 yards for a touchdown. I mean, that was just blind luck. But that yeah. was last week against the Eagles. One touch, one yard, one catch for 25 yards. Right. And you know, it, it, it's it's so if we take a look at the stat line, you know, I'm pretty sure it's not going to be, you know, horribly impressive based on what you're telling us. But uh, the, the proof is in the pudding here. You know, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles got the better of that trade, hands down, and 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 the Tennessee Titans are suffering because of it. But look at the look at the moves that he made. Like there were certain moves that he made that I thought were brilliant, and mm-hmm. then there were certain moves that that were made by this general manager that were disasters. 
it's the tale of two. It's a tale of two contracts, right? I mean, that's the best way I can put it. You, you get Derrick Henry and you re-sign him to a long-term deal and you go out and you in the draft. He was, he was so brilliant for years. Oh, I'm going to pick up Taylor Luan and I'm going to pick up Derrick Henry and I'm going to get all these great players that are going to block really well for Derrick Henry. And then he would go into free agency and then he makes a move. And I have never been for this move. I don't like this move. Tyler liked it, and in, in whether or not Tyler said he was elite, whether or not Tyler said he was very good, which I know for sure he said he was very good, Ryan Tannehill is not the guy. He was never nope. the guy. I said he wasn't the guy. He is not the guy. Derrick Henry was the guy. Right, and, and you know, like I said, there have been these great pickups, and then there's they've been these disastrous pickups. Ryan Tannehill, whether anybody wants to admit it, is a disastrous pickup. I, I disagree with that, but uh, you know he definitely isn't an optimal pickup. We can agree on that. The the thing about it is, is Ryan Tannehill is very middle of the road, and, yep, and the yep. problem for the raw problem for Ryan Tannehill is that when we get to playoff time, when it gets yep. to the nitty gritty, and we get down to the the brass tacks, Ryan Tannehill has had <laughs> several games where he has a underperformed in a magnificently horrible way, right. and b I mean, like we're talking about under a hundred yards passing, like. Yep. In playoffs, we're. Ta- I think one one week he had eighty nine yards passing in a playoff game. I mean, like, what are we talking about here? I right. just this general manager deserved to be fired be, based on the the disaster picks up, pickups he made, and the AJ Brown move was especially. Yep. What- yep. Yep, I, I, I think the A.J. Brown move is what drove the Titans organization to, to bounce this guy from the office. They looked at that, They looked at what he did with the Eagles, especially after that last game. So, you know what? You fucked up. Get out of here. Yeah, A.J. Brown has had such a, a, a fantastic season. I don't understand what, what would possess a person to, to take a look and say, oh, A.J. Brown, I don't want to sign him to a big contract. I'm going to go after Traylon Burks. If you were going to go after anybody, like, I could see Chris Olave being better on this team. Right. Yep. I could see Garrett Wilson being better on this team. For sure. Any of those guys. But yeah, Traylon Burks is definitely not the answer. No. He wasn't I mean, the answer. I didn't think Traylon Burks was the answer from the rip. I, I just, yep. it doesn't he, make sense the the 2020 season he's at 25 targets for 37 he, he's at 25 37 targets for 25 catches and 359 yards is yeah. it the, and this is and this is and, hold on sorry <laughs> stupid ads are playing but is that a world beating stat to you for the 2022 season hell no oh. that that's that's a bad stat for one game or, it, or, or, or not one game but like, you get what i'm talking about and it raises the question though it raises the question of how much of it is Ryan Tannehill versus versus Traylon Burks, but then it also raises the question of how in the fuck did this guy have a job after the Ryan Tannehill move? Because Ryan Tannehill hasn't been good either. You know right. how much of this is Ryan Tannehill? I believe I mean, he he he, dro- he dropped an AFC Championship against Patrick Mahomes. I mean, yes, it's Patrick Mahomes, but at the end of the day, you know, if if, if Derrick Henry's not there to the bulldoze the Chiefs' offensive line or defensive line. You know, what else is there? And look at this. And then this is another thing. The A.J. Brown stat line, right? Just mm-hmm. A.J. Brown stat line alone. Yep. Week one. Okay. Week one. I understand it's Detroit and Detroit early on was bad. Ten they, 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 Detroit still put up like 35 points against the Eagles. The Eagles won that, that game by a field goal. Right. But, but 
Eagles, 10 receptions, 155 yards for A.J. Brown. Yep. Five receptions, 69 yards. Yep. Week three against Washington, five receptions, 85 yards, and a touchdown. Then next up, you got Jacksonville, five receptions, 95 yards. You got Arizona, three receptions, 32 yards. It's one of his worst weeks of the year. And then he goes up against Dallas of all teams, five receptions, 67 yards, and a touchdown. Yep. Then he goes up against Pittsburgh, and I was so happy I had him this week in fantasy. 156, three <laughs> touchdowns, six receptions. Just, overall, he's had 96 targets, 61 were catches for 950 yards. He's projected to have 1,346 by the end of the year. Yeah, he's, he's had nine touchdowns. His longest his longest reception was 54 yards. What the fuck are we doing here, Tennessee? Yeah, what are we doing letting this guy go? It's silly, and and it it just doesn't make sense that, that you let him walk uh, I mean, it, he's he's broken a thousand yards, two out of his three years with Tennessee, and last year, had he not been hurt because he did get hurt, he would have been easily broken a thousand yards. He had eight hundred and sixty nine last year. The two years before that, one thousand fifty one and one thousand seventy five, and that was with a bad quarterback. That's with right. Ryan Tannehill. So I mean, I I just have questions about about the move and and whatever the case may be this general manager i agree with uh, the fact that he did deserve to be fired 100 that's what did him in that's what did him in no doubt mm-hmm. um so now that we're moving on from that elsewhere around and now that we're talking about aj brown elsewhere around the nfc east uh commander's quarterback carson wentz is set to be the quote-unquote primary backup to tyler he- taylor heineke cleared to return so he is officially considered the backup over there with the commanders. Are you surprised? You know what? I'm kind of surprised only because of the fact that, you know, Taylor Heineke really earned his starting job. But at the end of the day, you know, you got to think about it. Carson Wentz has been injured most of his career. Yep. Every year with the Eagles, what happens? He tears his ACL. He's out for the rest of the year. And Nick, and Nick Foles comes in and helps him win the Super Bowl. You know, he's with the Colts. He gets injured. What you know, so he's with the commanders. He gets injured. So you know, I, I can't say I'm surprised that he's the backup in this situation because of the fact that he got hurt so much, but I'm still kind of surprised about the fact that Tyler Taylor Heineke is considered the number one guy over Carson Wentz. Because Carson Wentz statistically is the better quarterback, but he gets hurt all the time. Right. I think Wentz is the better quarterback. I agree with you. But but Taylor Heineke, I don't know what it is, and, and Tyler and I have been saying this for weeks, and I know you have agreed with me on this. The commander's team plays hard for that man. I don't understand why. Yep. I don't, I don't. And, 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 and it looks like the Washington brass recognizes this and is taking advantage of it, which is a smart move. Yeah, I mean they're they're getting away with it, which is which is awfully nice. You know, I mean, I I, I just I'm blown away by how hard that team plays for that yeah. man. I, I just I don't understand it. It it seems silly to me. But I mean, uh, I mean they're on by this week. But you know when, when we talk about next week, you know if we go to week fifteen, you know Washington has a pretty pivotal game against the New York Football Giants on Sunday Night Football, no less. Yep, they do, and and it'll be it'll be fun to watch. Another mm-hmm. quarterback though that that plays hard and and hasn't gotten a lot of credit, and I was really big on him. But he hasn't panned out, and I, I, the question remains whether or not it's coaching or whatever the case may be. 
Texas head coach Lovey Smith has announced that Davis Mills will take back his starting quarterback role versus the Cowboys <laughs> after the Kyle mm. Allen experiment. Right. Uh, and it kind of sucks for him because wide receiver Brandon Cooks has been ruled out versus the Cowboys due to a calf injury. Oof. So, well, Brandon Cooks. I mean, he- I, let's, let's just let's just put it right here. The Cowboys are going to murder the Texans. I mean, yeah. if, if the defense doesn't get them, the offense will. This is going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be really nasty. I'm, I'm expecting a, a very difficult game. Uh, there for the Houston Texans. It's going to be bad. Uh, also, I want to talk about a little bit. Uh, you know, we, we talked about the commanders earlier. I want to talk a little bit about this uh, U.S. House report. Uh, the U.S. House report states that Dan Snyder has a hand in the or had a hand in the toxic culture with the Washington commanders, Redskins, football team, whatever you want to call them. When he continuously ignored and downplayed sexual misconduct by high-ranking men in the organization, uh, you know, I'm not surprised. I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be surprised because it's Dan Snyder. And everything right. Dan Snyder has done throughout the last several years has been hot garbage. Yep. I am so tired of Dan Snyder. I, I think he— Well, uh, here's, the, here's the worst part about it, too. I mean, the, the worst punishment he's going to give is he's going to be forced to sell the team, which, yep. you know, is going to put money in his pocket. Yeah. A shit ton of money. Yeah. I, I just, I, I don't think he has any business being a, an owner of an NFL football team at this point. I've been waiting for the moment when the, the owners oust him and mm. it just, it hasn't happened. It, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting going like, when are they going to get rid of this guy? And they, they've kept allowing him to be an owner of a professional football team. I don't get it. I don't get it at this point. Mm. It seems yeah. silly. I, yeah. I mean, I just, Explain it to me, Alex. I, I can't. I, 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 I can't explain it to you. I mean, I don't think this is an explainable situation. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Um, and also, speaking of uh, sexual misconduct or, or alleged sexual misconduct in this case, former Bills rookie punter Matt Areza will not be charged in the alleged gang rape incident at SDSU due to a clear lack of evidence. He will not be charged. Uh, I mean, San Diego State University... Um, he played there. He was a great punter. He got drafted. He was highly touted. Everybody called him just like a cannon, basically, uh, mm-hmm. a kicking machine. Matt Areza not being charged is, I guess, kind of surprising, but it's not mm-hmm. at the same time. But somebody's going to wind up with a great punter on their hands, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, especially since, you know, it's, it's open season, you know, just because, the you know, I think somebody needs to write the uh, – the prosecution's office a Christmas card for you know fuck you know screwing up the uh, <laughs> the investigation so badly, but I mean you know it is what it is you know so the league is gonna you know have a good punter on their hands and it's gonna be a feeding frenzy you know who who could pick them up first? The thing about that that about it that gets me is that Areza um, he played for the Bills and mm. and playing for the Bills they they kind of prematurely let him go. Mm. And, and I, I, I look, I understand in this league and in this world, we're a very shoot first, ask questions later type of society here. Mm-hmm. I, I understand that. And I do feel like they're kind of, the bills kind of shot first and ask questions later. And, and I get why that is because it's a lot of PR and there's a lot of things like that. I would have surely benched him or something, but this is kind of just one of those weird spots. I, I mean, I think the, the bills got rid of a really good punter. And, mm-hmm. and 
I mean, he could punt the ball 80 yards, and somebody's going to get a great punter out of this whole deal. It's going to be interesting. Yep, absolutely. So that, that'll be fun. Also, a uh, another guy that is going to wind up being a part of an NFL team more than likely, but I we just don't know when and we don't know how, is Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. yeah. Receiver Odell Beckham. He's still available. Mm. He hasn't been signed. And he apparently, and I quote, doesn't feel like there's any reason to play in the regular season this year. Look. So, so like, what, what does that mean? Is he, he going to join a team after they've reached the playoffs and yeah, then be I, the reason they won the Super Bowl? I mean, come on, man. It, it's just silly. I, this, I think this, this has reached Terrell Owens' level of stupidity. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he's he's just obnoxious. It's yep. You know, like Odell Beckham, I joked with Tyler, uh, and and I, I think I mentioned this to you last week. Was, was Odell Beckham has kind of become like the groundhog, where like like if, <laughs> right. if Odell Beckham pops out and and whatever team picks him up is going to win the Super Bowl, like the groundhog sees a shadow and sees a shadow. It's four weeks of winter. Whatever team, like oh, everybody's just going to be waiting outside of the the gopher hole when when Odell Beckham pops out <laughs> and says, "What team am I going to sign with?" And that's the team that's going to win the Super Bowl. So oh my I'm, gosh. <laughs> well, the, the dude's talented, I'll give you that. But at the same time, it's like, come on, man, what are we doing? Yeah, it's silly bullshit. I, I just, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Uh, also, teams that were speaking of Super Bowl teams, potential Super Bowl teams, the Kansas City Chiefs, wide receiver Kadarius Tony listed as questionable versus the Broncos due to a hamstring injury. Also, offensive guard Joe Tooney is listed as questionable versus the Broncos due to an ankle injury. Um, look, Joe Tooney was a guy I wanted the Vikings to get, uh, they, yeah. they've had him playing uh, offensive tackle, really an offensive guard. They've been kind of swinging him around. Tooney is a great interior offensive lineman. He's a great outside offensive lineman. He would have been a great addition to the Vikings. He goes to the chiefs. He's been special for the chiefs this year. And then Kadarius Tony getting traded by the giants to the, uh, the chiefs. I mean, from the giants to the chiefs, Kadarius yeah. Tony into a stud for Patrick Mahomes, right? Yeah. I mean, it's one more weapons for Patty Mahomes to throw to. You know, he's got Travis Kelsey. You know, he's got, you know, he doesn't have Tyreek Hill anymore, but he definitely has this guy, Kadarius Tony. You know, he, he, obviously, you know, he has his, you know, uh, Isaiah Pachenko as a running back. You know, so, you know, again, the Kansas City Chiefs are another one of those teams that, you know, oh, we lost this weapon. Well, we'll go just get this weapon, you know, just like the Eagles. And just like the Dolphins, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs are another one of those teams where they just adapt with the situation. And the difference between all those is they have the best quarterback of the modern era, Patrick Mahomes. Exactly. And that's the thing. When you have Patrick Mahomes in that situation, that's kind of what it is. You you mm-hmm. you can just adapt to whatever situation you have, and Patrick Mahomes is going to give you a W. Absolutely. Um, and in that same game, wide, Broncos wide receiver Cortland Sutton has been ruled out versus the Chiefs versus for a hamstring injury. That's been affecting him almost all year, it seems. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Cortland Sutton, obviously, he's the number one receiver for the Broncos, special receiver. Uh, kind of uh, not given enough credit. It, it kind of sucks, right? Right. I mean, you know, the fact that, you know, well, he didn't get enough credit before because Russell Wilson was cooking and we got – you know, you know, spaghetti o jello and all that stuff, <laughs> but you know, it, it's especially troubling because again, you know, he is you know their top receiver and he's out on injury, so the Broncos don't need any more problems. But here we go, we got a lot more problems. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, and in that same division, Raiders running back Josh Jacobs, he suffered a hand injury on Thursday night football versus the Rams. We saw it kind of affecting him. He returned to the game. He was clearly bothered by it, though. Mm. Um, you know, Josh Jacobs, he's leading the league in rushing. Do you think he plays next week? I mean, he's got a long week to rest, you know, 10 days. Yep. yep. I mean, it, it, it would be a different story if he got injured on Sunday, but he got injured on Thursday. And he's got, you know, he's off this. Obviously, he's off Sunday because he already played. So he's got 10 days to heal. So uh, time will tell. Right. I, I mean, that's. They better they better pray that Josh Jacobs gets healthy. <laughs> you know, right. they, they need all the help they can get over there. Exactly. I mean, it, the, the, if the Raiders have any opportunity to make the playoffs, it, it rests in the lap of Josh Jacobs right now. Yep. And, and then they're going to have to sign him to a big-ass contract, but we'll find out. Um, they, they might let him walk as dumb as they've been. Right, and they're they're going to have to sign him to a big deal that will definitely affect their salary cap. But one thing about the salary cap, mm-hmm. mentioning the salary cap for the league next year is likely to hit more than two hundred and twenty million. After that's this, a lot. That's a lot of dough. Um, mm-hmm. and and they're gonna if it hits two hundred twenty million, I I can see. Do you see player prices going up, or do you oh. see? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely a buyer's market in the NFL. Uh, you know, you know, especially with these all all these players proving their worth week after week. You know, whether it's the Josh Jacobs of the world or the Garrett Wilsons of the world or the Kyle Hamiltons of the world. You know, I, you know, we 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 name players that have been in the top ten in the rookie rankings, but still, you know, with the with the salary cap getting higher, you know, obviously players' salaries are going to be higher as well. And I also think, you know, to be honest with you, as far as the league goes, um, I do see a situation where where uh, um, I I've said and it may happen later than I thought. And, may, you know, Tyler would be 100 percent right in this situation. I really thought that the league, the, the overall salary cap was going to hit 300 million a lot faster than Tyler did. I thought within I, I think I said the last the next five years it was going to hit 300 million. Um, and, and it's it's going to hit 220. Uh, this this upcoming year, a little over two twenty, but I do think it's gonna. It, we're trending toward three hundred million. I think that's Ooh. where it's going, and and I I we we still have a couple more years left until my my uh, prediction becomes a crazy person prediction. But I I do have this feeling this especially with the Amazon deals and everything that the league did, I I do have a feeling that we're gonna hit three hundred million sooner rather than later. And uh, it, it, as soon as the league signed that, that deal and understanding the pandemic kind of set us back as far as the salary cap goes, we, we went dipped down to 186, I think it was, you know, the, the league is going to develop into a much higher paying league than, than uh, uh, any of us realized. So that's kind of where we're headed. And one guy that's going to benefit from that is the Ohio State receiver Jackson Smith-Najigba, who has declared for the NFL draft as of this week. He will not participate in the college football playoff. I think that's kind of a ballsy move on his yep. end. Yep. Um, I, on one end, I'm like... Go get it, go get the money, kid. I mean, you deserve it. It's good and it's bad. I think Smith-Najigba is going to be a very special <laughs> receiver in the NFL. The problem I have with him in doing this is that it just shows he's not a team player. And I think right. something are going to read into that and say he's not a team player he's all about the money yeah. what a shit you know it's a, it, at that point it becomes a character issue right 
Right. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I hate to, you know, I, I draw comparisons to Bo Schembechler. You play for a contract, you pay for this, you play for that, you play for you play for everything except the team. And that's yep. what this guy's doing. He's playing for everything except the team. Yeah. And they're 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 staring down the double barreled shotgun of the, the Georgia Bulldogs in the college football playoffs. So expect Ohio State to get smoked in that game. And my thing about Smith and Jigba is he's been hurt all year. He's been hurt all year. He has barely played. If, if, if there was any way to set yourself up for a for sure first round pick is coming into mm-hmm. the college football playoff after you barely played all season long and prove that you can still go at a high level in the mm-hmm. college football playoff against some very, very tough teams. Yep. Because you're going to be taking on Georgia and you're going to be taking on, you know, uh, uh, Michigan and you're going to be taking or TSU or TCU. You know, you're going to be taking on the, the toughest teams in all of college football. Yep. That you're still the guy. If you can show you're still the guy, yep. then you're you're going to get your first round pick. But I don't know that Smith Machigma is going to be, you know, looked at as a first. I mean, he probably will. He'll probably go top 20. But like if I'm him, I want to go top five. And you're right. This if, is you, not- if, if you want if you want to get the big money, you're top five. This is not the season to declare and then say, oh, I'm not playing in the college football playoff after I haven't played all year long. It just seems silly to me. It's, it's a bass ackwards kind of situation. I, I don't really buy it. Right. And last but not least, our last piece of news, the Falcons. They have benched Marcus Mariota. They are set to start rookie Desmond Ritter. Now, they got the bye this week. Next mm-hmm. is when they're going to start Desmond Ritter. 15, 16, 17, and 18 is when they're going to start him. Mm. Situation, are you excited to see Desmond Ritter? I'm going to be honest with you. I am not. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not. I'm not either, but let's let's face facts. I mean, strange things have happened in the NFL, and this may not be an exception. You know, we may very well see the, the resurgence of Atlanta's next star, but we got to see how he plays. Yeah, we don't know how, he, how he's going to play. The, the Atlanta Falcons have lost two straight with Marcus Mariota, which I understand. Right now, they're set to pick 11th overall. If they start Desmond Ritter, I mean, I think they're looking at a best case, worst case situation. If mm-hmm. if Desmond Ritter plays well, they've got the quarterback in the future. If he doesn't play well, then they get a higher draft pick. You know, yep. I mean, this is the it's a win. Point. It's a win win at this point. I mean, yeah. you're you're sitting at the bottom of the barrel in the NFC South to begin with. I mean, you're right behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but at the same time, you know, you have two more losses than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So you're probably not going to make the playoffs at this point. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's a pipe dream. Yeah, the, the Bucks are right now are sitting at pick number 19 as the wild card losers situation. Because they're yeah. in the card. But Atlanta isn't too far behind. They're about a game down. But, you know, see what you got. Like I said, worst case scenario, you got Desmond Ritter and, and he sucks and then you wind up getting a higher draft pick. Best case scenario, you weirdly make the playoffs and he turns into a stud and you you got your quarterback in the future right mm-hmm. i i mean that's kind of where we're headed yeah so desmond, it's, it's, it's a good problem to have exactly so desmond ritter will be starting for the atlanta falcons moving forward and that is our news around the league and that leads us into our last piece of business here mm-hmm. um our picks our predictions for for the upcoming week as it currently stands um we, Alex, you made up a little bit of ground in our predictions. Yep. Right now, you are at one nineteen seventy four and two. Uh, Andrew, right now, is at one ten eighty three and two. 
Tyler right now is at 124.69 and two. He leads, and I am in second at 123.70 and two. So it's Tyler, me, you, Andrew right now. Yep. Uh, as it currently stands, I have your picks. I have Andrew's picks. I have Tyler's picks, and I have. I'm going to give my picks obviously live, like I always do. So that is a thing. But we have uh, um, kind of a tight race. I, Tyler. This is what it, how it goes every year. I always trail Tyler by one or two games, and then eventually he pulls away in a big way. I'm hoping that that I can uh, uh, put this to bed. And let me just put the let me just say, every one of us was wrong about the Thursday night game. Oh my gosh! Boy, were we ever! <laughs> every one of us. Picked if, the if you would if you would have told me that Baker Mayfield would have popped off and thrown the game winning touchdown against the Raiders, I told you we're out of your mind. And yeah. apparently we were all wrong. Yeah, we were all wrong about it. And and it was painful to see. Yeah. But we were all <laughs> Oh, we're gonna put stock in Baker Mayfield. No, you're not. <laughs> your yeah. team your team's still a dumpster fire. Wake up, okay? My thing is is that that you know, the Raiders just shit the bed, but we were all wrong about the Raiders yep. beating the Rams. I you know, and it was it was so much so that I actually put Derek Carr and the Raiders defense in fantasy, and the Raiders defense looks so good. And then with four minutes left in the fourth quarter, the Rams blew up. I, I just couldn't believe it. It was unbelievable. unbelievable. But, folks, we have our predictions going on mm-hmm. for week 14. So, Alex, are you ready for this? Let's do it. All right, let's finish off this shit. Here we go. Week 14. In the NFL, starting with the Vikings and the Lions. Tyler took the Vikings. Andrew takes the Lions. Alex, who you got? I have the Detroit Football Lions. Let's go! Yeah, it's kind of looking that way. But I have to take some risk. Yep. I have to do it. I'm going to extend my lead against you if I did it right. I do have a nice little cushion here. I'm going with the Vikings. I gotta hey, go. You know, yeah, you you gotta go with your home brown. You got you gotta go with your team. You know, yeah. the, this game may test our friendship. We're not sure. <laughs> <laughs> if, if the Vikings win this game, they win the division. Uh, you know, I have a weird feeling the Lions are going to win this game. Like I've been talking about, they're both, they're, they're a three point underdog or two yep. point underdog. Both these teams are four and five in their last five games. The Lions have been much hotter than the Vikings. Favorite. Vikings have been winning close. Close matchups by one score. I, yep. I just I have this KJ KJ Osborne was the difference between victory and defeat the last time they met, and that was week three. Yep, that's it. So I'm I'm kind of hoping to see the Vikings get a W here. I'm just gonna root on my boys. Mm-hmm. I'm going with my Vikings here. I'm gonna I'm gonna cheer them on. Uh, next up, the Ravens and the Steelers. Uh, you know Taylor Huntley is in this game. Tyler Huntley is. I have this weird feeling that. That the Ravens are kind of in dire straits. I don't know. Jake well, 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 record breaking news right now. Just so we know, it just popped up on my news feed. Oh, J.K. Dobbins has been activated. Uh oh, David. So that could be a thing. Uh, I don't know Huntley and versus Pickett. Kind of a weird situation. I'm gonna go with the Ravens here. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I should go with the Steelers, but I'm going to go with the Ravens. Well, especially with that news, with the fact that J.K. Dobbins is coming back. I mean, I picked the Ravens from the rip. 
but you know I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with that pick. You know I, I think the Steelers just don't have what it takes to uh, to topple their AFC North rivals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the Ravens are going to going to wind up getting the W here. They're they're going to be. Is this situation the next couple of weeks? We're going to be doing just enough. The Ravens mm-hmm. just enough to to keep themselves alive in the playoff picture. I'm with you here. I'm going with the Ravens. Next up, a fun game. You know, another divisional game. Mm-hmm. Here. You had the Ravens and the Steelers. Then I got the Browns and the Bengals. Uh, I'm going Bengals here. I think the Bengals are red smoking hot right now. Joe Burrow looking strong. The Bengals have been looking really quietly good. Um, yep. Just like they were last year. They flew under the radar. Now they're looking quietly good this year after having a slow start. Uh, I'm going Bengals. Yeah, me too. I mean, Deshaun Watson... You know, we'll, we'll get to see if this kid really is the real deal here uh, after being two, off two years. But at the same time, it's like, you know, Joe Burrow, and they have, the, they have the triple threat in the wide receiver department. You know, this is a horrible game for Deshaun Watson to prove himself. I'm sorry, buddy, but we're going with the Bengals. Yeah, and, and Tyler and Andrew are going with the Bengals as well. They also went with the, the Ravens as well. So, I mean, everybody's... Uh, Kind of in lockstep right here. Next up, we got the Jets and the Bills. Now, everybody needs to remember that the Bills got beat by the Jets earlier this year, but I am still going with the Bills in spite of that. Um, I, I think that the Bills are going to have a re- little bit of a revenge game here. I'm going Bills. I'm going to go ahead and go Bills as well. You know, I, I think they're simply just the better team. Yeah. You know, I mean, yes, yes, it's the Yes, it's you know, they've they've been you know, um, it, it's been a situation, but at the same time, you know, it's Josh Allen, it's Stefan Diggs, you know, it's it's a pretty safe bet to go with the Bills. Yeah, I, that's kind of what I'm I'm rolling with. I, I think the Bills are a safe bet, and uh, uh, no, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and um, I'm gonna go with uh, the the Bills here. Up next, we got the Texans and the Cowboys. Uh, you know, blowout central. is So, Andrew, it's funny enough, Andrew sends me a, a uh, message about all of his picks. And when he sends me the message about all of his picks, uh, he it's in parentheses. It says blowout central right next to it. Just a pounding. Look, we all know that the Texans are going to blow off the Cowboys, um, and and I'm I'm with that, um, Alex. You know, I know you're you're going to be away from your headset for a minute. That's okay. I know you're going with the Cowboys. Andrew is going with the Cowboys, and Tyler is also going with the Cowboys. Yeah, I'm going to be in lockstep with you guys. I'm going with the Cowboys. This is a no-brainer. It's silly to think that the Texans are going to beat the Dallas Cowboys, who are red smoking hot right now. That are blowing out teams. I mean. In the last three weeks, they've, they've had two blowout victories. Yeah, I'm going with the Cowboys here, and I know Alex is going with the Cowboys. Uh, next up, Eagles and the Giants. Uh, Eagles, man, oh, man, uh, against the Giants. Alex, when talking about how the Eagles are fool's gold, I, or how the Giants, rather, are fool's gold, I'm going with the Eagles here. I don't think that anybody can uh, uh, tell me otherwise. They're the best team in the NFC. The The Giants have sort of been cool as gold, and then when we're talking about the Giants potentially not having Saquon Barkley, yeah, we're, we're going with the Eagles, uh, and Eagles across the board is what we're see, seeing. Next up, we got Jags and Titans. Um, 
weird picks across the board. I've got Titans for Andrew. I have got Jaguars for Alex. And, and you know, it's too bad Alex isn't uh, in the room at the moment. He had to run out of the room. But I, I want him to explain this Jaguars over Titans situation. Tyler takes the Titans, too. I'm going Titans. Even though, you know, I understand that the Titans don't have the, the special receiving core. It's still Derrick Henry and company. Yeah, going Titans here as well. Next up, we got Chiefs and Broncos. Look, Andrew's going Chiefs. Alex is going Chiefs. Tyler's going Chiefs. I'm going Chiefs. The whole let Russ cook situation is just a disaster. It's not good. Nobody likes letting the idea of letting Russ cook because his cooking sucks. Let's be real. We're going Chiefs all across the board. I, I implore anybody that is making any sort of bet or parlay or anything like that, go with the Chiefs. Uh, next up, Panthers and the Seahawks. Kind of uh, a no-brainer in my opinion, even with the the Seahawks running back row woes. woes I'm going with the Seahawks here. Tyler is also going with the Seahawks. Andrew, weirdly enough, going with the Panthers here. But Alex going with the Seahawks. Um, Seahawks 3-1 to one here on, on the voting. Look, even if Travis Homer starts over Kenneth Walker, I think we're talking about Travis Homer having a huge game. People need to realize that Travis Homer was a good running back in the absence of of Chris Carson years ago, and he has been one of the higher-end backups. People disregard that. I believe in, in Travis Homer. I think he's going to have himself a really good game. I'm going Travis Homer and the Seahawks over the Panthers here. Uh, next up, we got the Bucks and the Niners. Alex, welcome back. Yeah, thanks. Welcome. Had, back. had had a bit of an emergency situation, but nope, uh, okay. it's all clear. It's all clear now. <laughs> yeah, you're good. Uh, next thing, we got the Bucks and the Niners. At 4.30 on Sunday, uh, I don't think this one's really a question. I'm over here going with the 49ers. Yeah. Alex, who you For got? Sure. Yeah, I got the Niners. I mean, they definitely have the talent. You know, Geno Smith's been doing great. You know, Kenneth Walker definitely is leaving yeah. a question mark. Christian McCaffrey. Right. Uh, Christian McCaffrey. Right. Christian McCaffrey is, is the running back there. And, and the San Francisco 49ers... Definitely have more talent than the San Francisco, the, the uh, Seattle Seahawks. So, um, <laughs> or, or whichever team it is, but I'm, I'm definitely going. I'm Bucks, definitely going Bucks with. The, oh, it's Bucks and Niners. Oh, 49ers all day. I mean, Tom Brady is Tom Brady, but at the end of the day, you know, we really got to point out, you know, the 49ers have Debo, they have Christian McCaffrey, they have Nick Bosa. They have all the weapons, and Tom Brady can't do everything. So I'm definitely giving this one to the 49ers. You think you think uh, Brock Purdy is going to be able to turn it up? Well, you know what? Um, as a matter of fact, I believe he will. You know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw those dice. You know, I, I think that Brock Purdy is not a one-hit wonder. You know, um, we'll see. You know, but 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 my argument also is, you know, even if he's not. There's definitely enough talent on that 49ers team on both sides of the ball to make the necessary plays against this Tampa Bay team. I and agree with you. And even, even, if, even if it's the GOAT, you know, let's be honest here. I mean, the rest of his team is anything but goaded. And actually, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to I'm going to take a victory. 
in my draft stuff, if you if you look back and, and you consider who I, I believe was one of the best quarterbacks to come out of this draft, it was Brock Purdy. And I talked mm-hmm. about Purdy at length on this show. I believe Brock Purdy is a good quarterback, and a lot of people didn't put enough stock in him. The fact that he went Mr. Irrelevant is silly. He is Mr. Irrelevant, and I hope everybody recognizes that. I believed in Brock Purdy, and I still do believe in Brock Purdy. I think he's something special. People need to understand that that the Niners have a stud at the quarterback position. But, yeah, I'm going uh, Niners here over the Bucs. Uh, next up, Sunday Night Football, Dolphins-Chargers. This one is going to be one of the best games of the week. I believe that thoroughly. Um Shootout between Tua and Herbert. Now, look, I believe that, and and I know that Tyler took Dolphins. I know that Andrew took Dolphins. I know that you took Dolphins. I am going to agree with you, and I am going to take the Dolphins. But one thing I want to point out is I don't think that this game itself is going to be indicative of what Justin Herbert is going to wind up being throughout his career. Mm -hmm. I believe thoroughly that Justin Herbert is the better quarterback out of the two. And, and frankly, I, it, it pisses me off a little bit that Tua Tungabailoa winds up with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill and everybody's making Tua out to be some sort of world beater. Look, right. if Justin Herbert was on the Dolphins and he had Tyreek Hill and fucking Jalen Waddle, we'd be a completely different story. We'd be talking about the Dolphins as not only winning that division, but we'd be talking about the Dolphins as Super Bowl contenders. I believe that. Justin Herbert is like Phillip Rivers. He's wound up in a bad position, and that's where he is right now. He's with a couple of aging, injury-prone, beat-up receivers. I'm going Dolphins here, but please, folks, don't disregard Justin Herbert based on this football game. This is just not a good time for him right now at this point. Nope, and I agree the, with that. Yeah, and last but not least, we got Patriots and Cardinals. Look, uh... Patriots, it's a tough game. It's going to be a tough game. Patriots have, have Mac Jones going, but I think that Cardinals team is just a little too much. People don't realize that the Cardinals right now have the number 12 defense in the league, and I think that is good enough. Even though the Patriots do have the number one defense in the league, you know what? The Cardinals have DeAndre Hopkins over there. It doesn't seem like that the Patriots have the number one defense, but you know, especially since you know they, they dropped one against their opponents last week. Yeah, the, the Patriots have one of the best defenses in the league. The Cardinals, they're, they're at a number 12 defense right now. I mean, it's, it's pretty special. The, the Cardinals, um, quietly a good team, but their record doesn't reflect it, if that makes sense. They're 4-8. Kyler Murray has not played well. They didn't have DeAndre Hopkins on the field for certain weeks. Marquise Hollywood-Brown hasn't been on the field for certain weeks. Their defense has left something to be desired at certain weeks. It's just been a lot of interesting shit. And I also think the Cardinals did have a very tough schedule this year. Cardinals are going to have to win out to make the playoffs, but I believe the Cardinals are capable of beating the New England Patriots. I'm going with the Cardinals here. Yep, myself as well. I mean, you know, we're, we're going to be getting we're going to be getting we're going to be getting out of a double XP weekend here. But uh, all jokes aside, I really think that this Cardinals team, you know, has the capability to take down Mac Jones and uh, this Patriots defense. You know, Kyler Murray. You know, for all the crap we give him about watching blank tapes and being more involved with, you know, the Atlanta phase than rather his own team. The fact of the matter is, you know, he is an NFL caliber quarterback and he has DeAndre Hopkins. He has Christian, you know, he has all these weapons. I was going to say Christian Kirkby's with the Jaguars, but you get the idea. It's, uh, he's ready 
you know, he, he's ready. He's ready to go here. You know, and, and I think you know this Monday night. I think it's the Cardinals' night. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be the Cardinals all day. Um, you know, Patriots have been so hit or miss. Every every now and then they're they're they play well and then they play bad. Then they play well and then they play bad. You never know which Cardinals team is going to show up. You never know which Patriots team is going to show up. I believe this is the Cardinals' week. They're going to stomp out the Patriots um, this week. And those are our predictions for Week 13 in the NFL. I can't believe we're we're that far. Uh, actually, Week 14. Well, we only have five weeks left, guys. It's it's yeah. it's an exciting time to be a football fan. Yeah, we. I mean, and I, I'm. I get excited for playoff time. I, I was talking about how I get excited for wild card weekend. It, it actually a couple of years ago during the pandemic when we had three games and then three games, it was almost like a football holiday. It was like mm-hmm. a football holiday weekend. I hated <laughs> that they kicked the game out to Monday night. It pisses me off, but still, wild card weekend winds up being a really really good time. So um, those are our predictions. Wild card weekend around the corner, folks. I hope everybody's excited for the playoffs. And with that said, those are our predictions in the NFL. Now, real quick, before we take off, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Face Kicked Apparel we'll start with. Uh, Sean Stockmeyer and his wonderful wife, Lisa, they do tremendous work. All the wonderful custom shirts, hoodies, hats, pants, you name it, you pick it. He sticks it over at facekickedapparel.com. I highly recommend checking it out. You know, I it's some of the best custom shirts that I've seen uh, around recently have have come out of face kick apparel, right? Yeah, yeah. He's he's been knocking them out of the park. You know, and, and each design is much more innovative than the last. You know, if if you re- if you want to follow your favorite pro wrestler in the scene, or if you need something done for your own personal needs, you know, uh, give them a call, give them a shout. You know, vis- you know, vi- you know, sh- message Sean directly. Uh, you know, you're, you're going to get a good product. Yeah, it, it, it's absolutely uh, a good product. Uh, next up, I want to give a shout out to uh, Patch Miracle Photography. Our, our boys over there, Andrew and Chantel Langland, they're wonderful. They do tremendous work. Um, I, and if you're looking for wedding photos, engagement photos, uh, baby photos, if you're looking for uh, um, pregnancy photos, if you're looking for maternity photos, if you're looking for uh, to do a special sexy boudoir shoot for that special someone in your life, is graduation photos. Anything that you need over there with Patched Miracle Photography, I highly recommend checking them out, If especially if you're in the Metro Detroit area. Um, some of the most high-quality, amazing pictures that you're going to get uh, anywhere. I, I highly recommend it. A lot of people, don't don't settle for those JCPenney photos, folks. Don't settle for those those Coles photos. No, 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 no. The glamour shots, no. Yeah, don't don't do all that. Go to Patch Miracle. They're the best of the best. And I, I can't recommend them enough. Andrew is special. He is an amazing photographer. His wife, Chantel, amazing. They do amazing work. They Our wedding photos they made, and, and I can I can highly recommend them from experience. Our wedding photos, they made our wedding photos so beautiful. And they helped us out and made our special day extra special mm-hmm. uh, with amazing work they did helping us out. I just, I can't recommend them enough. Patch Miracle Photography, uh, check them out. And next up, I want to give a shout out to IYTMassage.com. It's your time massage. Um, Amanda, the wonderful massage therapist at IYTMassage.com. She does any and all amazing uh, uh, massage therapy treatments, Swedish, deep tissue. She does CBD oil on there. I mean, like the fact that that there's not a lot of massage therapists out there that use CBD 
and she does, and and she is ahead of her time. Uh, I I highly recommend getting massage. You and me as wrestlers, Alex, you uh, you know the 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 pain and agony we go through. Um, I know you know our boy Verdi. We know Verdi over at uh, I didn't think you can hear us. He went out and he gets massages for Amanda. I if you're looking for a massage and you're a little banged up and you're a little sore, get out and get a massage at It's Your Time Massage. Amanda is the best of the best of the best. She does amazing work, Swedish and deep tissue, um, and and she'll make you feel right as rain. Uh, Alex, have you gotten a fucking massage yet? Nope, I haven't. You know, you've been telling me for weeks. You know, I need to get on the ball here. Oh, buddy, you need to get a massage. Amanda will will do you right. I I got to tell you, as a, as a professional wrestler, as a guy that's taken sixteen years of punishment on my body and and put my my body through it, uh, taking bumps on in rings and on concrete and wooden floors and all over all over the place. I could stand up straight for the first time in a long time after going to It's Your Time Massage. So I highly recommend it to folks. Check it out, itsyourtimemassage.com. And then last but not least, we got to talk about some of these gaming channels. Uh, Condor's Gaming Corner, baby. Alex, you got some shit going on over there. Tell me what's yep. happening. Well, I'll tell you, we, we finally got back onto a normal schedule for Wednesday nights. And uh, we, we, we're going through this case called Recipe for Turnabout uh, on the Phoenix Wright series. Uh, where we're going to wrap that case up uh, Wednesday night. At, you know, we're going to do Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. I think we've settled on 8 p.m. You know, it's on my Twitch channel. We're also on Facebook Gaming. We're also on YouTube. You know, off and on for Trovo, but I'm not sure why uh, Trovo's screwing up for me. But Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, you know, Condor's Gaming Corner is 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 the place to be. Um, you know, and hey, we also got to give a, a good shout a shout out to our good friend at Big Willie Dubs. Do we not? Yeah, our boy Will, Big Willie Dubs Gaming, he does excellent work over there. He's been playing a lot of Warzone, all that good stuff. Um, you know, I it, Big Will, man, he does. He has so much fun. He's got his Hot Wings Challenge getting ready to start. He's going to do the Hot Ones <laughs> Challenge that we did on. I didn't think you could hear us if you guys have listened to that. We did the Hot Ones Challenge. We had about six people around the, the around the board there. Hot <laughs> Wings, hot as fuck. Alex, you were part of that. Oh, yeah. The, the, the bomb basically broke me. It was horrible. <laughs> yeah, we, we Thanks, dickhead. <laughs> brutal. It was brutal, but but uh, for every follower, every 10 followers that he gets, he's going to eat a hot wing. And I hope that everybody is there for that over at Big Willie Dubs Gaming. Check it out if you get the opportunity. Um, he's an excellent streamer, and, and he's been doing great work. He's been over there on TikTok. Uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun watching his stuff. I love catching up on your stuff, Alex, and I love catching up on Will's stuff. It's just fun to watch at work. Um, cool streams, a lot of fun. So, uh, and and the voice acting that you and Andrew have been doing has been excellent. It's yep. excellent. I have a great time watching those those shows while I'm while I'm uh, working and and I just check them out. Yep, I'm certainly glad you do it because uh, I'm hoping somebody out there is, is is watching our work, even if it's after the fact. For sure. So, uh, folks, if you do get the opportunity, check that stuff out. But uh, that is all we have around the show here for this week. Uh, oh, my God. We're getting close to that. That, uh, that The most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, that postseason. Real quick, before I, I leave, I did I did mention the playoff stuff, or the, the uh, draft stuff, rather. Mm-hmm. And, and I was talking about the draft stuff. And the reason I'm talking about the draft stuff a little bit is as it currently stands, the Houston Texans are at number one in mm-hmm. the NFL, which we all kind of expect at this point. The Chicago Bears are three and ten, number two. 
Number three is the Seattle Seahawks. Geno Smith, I think they're going to roll with Geno Smith as their guy, but number four is the Detroit Football Lions. There is not a team that is above the Detroit Lions right now that I believe is going to take a quarterback outside of the Houston Texans, which means that there is at least one quarterback that is available for the Detroit Lions at number four, and I believe it's going to be C.J. Stroud. Alex, mm. Feel about that well <laughs> as a michigan fan uh, and, and hating all things buckeyes you know it kind of makes me throw up in my mouth a little bit but if but if a quarterback the caliber of cj stroud falls into the detroit lions lap i can't help but be excited because the, the young man is a stud you know def- despite the fact that he dropped the deuce against michigan but let's be honest here it's because michigan was the better team but CJ Stroud has played well all all year long, and all the years that he's been in in college. So to get to, for the Detroit Football Lions to get a hold of a quarterback, the caliber of CJ Stroud is exciting to me. Yeah, I think CJ Stroud is a gunslinger. He reminds me of Brett Favre the way he throws the football into really tight windows, in spite of things like double coverage. I think he's going to be a special player for the Lions if he winds up falling to four. Um, and, and that is if the Lions don't keep winning. We'll see how that works out this weekend. But, uh, Alex, you got a quarterback on your hands, and, and it's going to be something special. But, folks, that's all we've got for the Outside Blitz this week. Uh, Alex, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it's it's always, as, wonder, as always wonderful having you on board. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will see you guys next time right here on the Outside Blitz. Ciao. Join us soon on the Outside Blitz, and be sure to follow on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the Outside Blitz, and feel free to email us questions at theoutsideblitz at gmail.com.